are the first kids Whoa. to ever experience Camp Cretaceous. <laughs> Where is everybody? <laughs> We're not alone. What the heck is this place? We started as campers, and now we've been through more together than most friends have in a lifetime. We're going home. It's over. Unless it's not. My dad's trying to save the dinosaurs just like we are. By controlling them against their will? Stay out of it. But we're family. The future of these dinosaurs depends on what we do next. So either we stay or we leave the island. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live on Mixler. Kind of kicking it old school tonight, but it is going to be an awesome episode nonetheless. This is a partnership with Zach Arnold Productions, the ZAP is helping present the IPC, and if you're getting confused with all the acronyms, you can GTFO. But I have a really, really great show in store for all of you guys tonight, and it's it's one that we have been hoping for and waiting for and trying to schedule for a really long time, and we finally got all of the stars to align tonight and tonight only. So for your listening pleasure, we are doing a recap of the final season of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. It's been one that has been heavily watched among the uh, Jurassic fan franchise. And uh, there was like a separate group chat that we started just to talk Uh, about uh dinosaurs. And uh, a lot of those guys are with us here tonight, including one whose username is literally Raptor. But we'll get to that in just a second. Joining me is one of the other stars of this show. He actually had to push off and, and, and... play hooky from another show of his in order to make it to this one. That's how important this episode is to him. And uh, it's none other than my good buddy, Mr. Ben Hart. Dude, thank you for uh, for choosing tonight's episode. I know that was a tough decision, but hopefully it leads to a really great conversation tonight. Yeah, no, this was, this was, it was, it was not that hard of a decision. I have to say as, as much as uh, I hate missing that other show, um it's in it's in good hands it's in good hands um it's happening literally right now as we speak um and uh, yeah i don't like missing it i don't i i 
actually can't even count the times that I've actually missed that show um, very often. But uh, yeah, uh, this I couldn't pass this up. Come on, this was this was long time coming, um, and I just got done like binging two seasons worth of this show, um, just literally last night. So uh, I am uh, ready to go. I'm raring to discuss uh, more Camp Cretaceous because uh, I really enjoyed it. Well, you are not the only person in that camp, my friend. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Uh, that's going to be the Intergalactic Pun Coalition really fast and really quick. <laughs> Joining us for some more Cretaceous discussion. Uh, he's been on previous Cretaceous episodes. He's been on episodes while I have been away for football or baseball or whatever else. He's got some programs of his own that he hosts, including the really awesome Delayed Replay podcast, uh, back for more fun, it's Stephen, not related to Stevie Nicks Schinder. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I actually like some Stevie Nicks songs, so I really like that little connection you threw in there. But yeah, it's great to be back and talk about Camp Cretaceous. <laughs> I did not come up with that. There is uh, there is an anonymous lemur in the chat that is just coming up with bylines for us. But oh boy. <laughs> I, I'm having I'm having fun with it. Um joining us, he he's got plenty of his own content that he does, but he is joining us on our content as well. Check out his YouTube page. It's literally got the name Raptor in it, like I said a moment ago. It's Chris the Star Raptor dude. Welcome back for more Jurassic World discussion. Oh man, Zach, I'm happy to be back. It's it's been a while since we talked this. We're gonna be talking a little bit about season season four as well. So it's been a long time coming um with this discussion, especially um as I showed you guys right before the chat. I, I got my copy of Jurassic World Dominion, um, the extended cut, so I'm all in the Jurassic yeah. mood right now. Yeah, I, I need to get that because from what I've heard reviewers say, that extra 14 minutes actually makes a pretty big damn difference. And so I'm sitting here going, man, I wish they would have made me sit around in the theater for another 14 minutes. Maybe maybe that would shake up my uh, my, my opinion of the movie, because I mean, we, we've done we've done a Dominion discussion on this show already. Like if you all want to hear it, you can go back and listen to it. I know that in this group in particular, we're kind of all over the spectrum on whether we liked or didn't like it, but I'm glad that you're in a Jurassic mood tonight, dude, because that is going to be pretty much the entire context, the entire theme of, of the show. Everything from our icebreaker that we're going to do in just a moment, uh, all the way to our barbecue segment at the end. It's all going to be dino theme. so I'm glad to have you. I really don't know if I can pronounce the the name, if I should actually sound out the name that that this fellow has given to himself next up on the call joining us uh he's on the other side of the of the dallas metroplex from me we're not in the same place tonight and uh correct me if i'm wrong but uh, this fellow has not even left his house for a solid four or five days because he's got all the food he needs and he's working from home it's mondo the orgasmic man beef sandwich oh my god i can't believe i said that out loud uh going on that's all you have to say for yourself <laughs> i mean you already said it for me i'm an orgasmic i'm like i'm like instead of managing a can i'm managing a man no man, no no like... don't no analogies please no, no analogies no that's all I you don't... need so we, we we got everything we need tonight please and the best part of all 
with these man witch and a man, buns are included. <laughs> I'm just glad we're not on YouTube. We would have been instantly banned. <laughs> Thank God. Right, we could have we could have put the show on that weird Shrek porn site that you looked at before we started recording. <laughs> wow, that was my fault actually. Um, wow. Uh, okay, somehow. for context, before the show, behind the scenes, we were talking about certain movies and TV shows like Madagascar and Shrek that probably would not handle itself well with cancel culture today. And Ben just started looking up whatever the hell he was looking up and ended up looking at rule 34 for Shrek. And it was... I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't type that in specifically, but I, I saw some, I saw some stuff that uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm not going to get those images out of my brain anytime soon. Let's just move on. But let, let's circle back to, to dinosaurs. Cause that is the point of the discussion. And with the new show format that we've got, we, we do this segment right off the top of the show called Edna's Icebreaker Discussion. It's a way of getting my fiance involved in the program. Sometimes she'll do like special pop-up episodes with me every now and then, but we have incorporated her into the show by doing Edna's Icebreaker. And then over the flow of the show, we'll do things like, what are you watching? Uh, we'll talk about um, some, of the, some of the other things in life that's going on with us. Um, so, this one's going to be more centric to Camp Cretaceous. That's the thing that all of us have been watching. So that'll be the main point uh, for tonight's show. But then there will also be a barbecue um, element, as always, towards the end of the program. But Edna's Icebreaker, I asked her for something dinosaur-themed, and she delivered. She said, if you were alive in dinosaur times, say 65 million years ago, what part of the world would you want to live in? Now... I would also say that we could spin this around and incorporate it into like if we lived in the actual Jurassic world, like the Jurassic world that we see in Fallen Kingdom and Dominion. If we were living in that world, what part of the world would we want to live in? So you can interpret that either way you want to. It could be 65 million years ago or it could be modern Jurassic world. Stephen, any thoughts? Well, either way, just somewhere near the beach. I, I don't have a specific location in mind. I just want to be near the ocean. Okay. All right. I, I, I like the ocean as well, but then I also think of the lost world and all the compies that ganged up on that little girl on the beach, and I'm like, eh, is that the best place? Yeah, I could take them, possibly. Uh, man. <laughs> it reminds me of that old... Um, reddit thread about could you take on kindergartners in a classroom have y'all seen that challenge <laughs> like it, it's like how many how many kindergartners do you think you could you could face before they actually pin you to the ground for 15 seconds and it's just an empty classroom no school supplies no desks no nothing their goal is to surround you and and tackle you en masse your goal is to knock them unconscious and if you knock them unconscious they disappear like in a video game and, like, how long would you last, and how many do you think you could take before they overpowered you? Or, like, uh, the whole, was the old joke, uh, what would you rather fight, a one uh, T-Rex-sized duck or a uh, hundred uh, duck-sized T-Rexes? Yeah, pretty much. And honestly, I'd probably take the duck. That'd be a hell of a Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Uh, Chris, what about you? If you were around when dinosaurs are around, either modern Jurassic World or millions of years ago, where would you want to be? 
Uh, it's a really tough one. I, I, I want to say I want to be away from society and civilization to a certain degree because I feel like they could breed more dinosaurs in the area. So it's like, okay, just like cabins somewhere, maybe. Maybe in the mountains, like isolated, would be a good place to go. Just because, I don't know, I, I, I was thinking about this a lot. We were talking about Jurassic World Dominion and like what it would be like in, a, in an alternate. And I was like always thinking like Walking Dead-esque, like how they're interacting with society. I feel like just humans would get involved. It'd be apocalyptic. So let me just be as far away from everything as I could be. <laughs> That's fair. That's pretty fair. Mondo, what about you? Um. Ooh, you know, I would probably go somewhere in the mountains, kind of where you saw Claire and Owen in Dominion. Um, oh, way up there, like like Alaska type mountains. Yeah, mainly because I feel like you would be a little further away from some of the danger. And I know they had blue there, but obviously I, I believe that was more of by design based on, you know, the relationship that they had, you know, in, in previous films. Uh, but they kind of seem pretty away from a lot of the imminent danger. And I know that they had some, you know, there were some some other things going on there that you saw in the film. But I, I felt like overall, you know, they weren't really worried about getting chased by T-Rexes and um, raptors that weren't blue. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like that would be a safe place. Like, I like the ocean idea. But I like I would be afraid that the ocean would end up drawing dinosaurs to it um, for the water and for other things. And I don't know. I just feel like, you know, the mountains would be cool. And plus, it's the mountains. Like, who doesn't want to live in the dang mountains? Like the <laughs> like the bounty guy, you know, the guy from the bounty commercial. That guy, the dude. The bount. Oh, OK. I thought you meant like the bounty hunter, like the, the scraggly. No. The scraggly no. dude who looked like his name was Festus. No, no, the guy like like kind of like a lumberjack kind of guy. Like I can be on lumberjacks only. You know, it'd be pretty cool. Like it would be fun, and then I wouldn't have to worry about getting stepped on by an Allosaurus at the same time. Like, that's fair. That's pretty fair. Uh, ben, what about you? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, maybe this is a cheat, but I would like to be on a boat in the ocean. Okay. I feel like because most, most like you'd be safe from dinosaurs, obviously, except for the big, um, uh, <laughs> the big ones that live in the water. Um, so I'd prefer maybe a bigger boat. Um, but like most everything in boat. the world is 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 you know accessible by water. So like I could get any, I could go anywhere that I wanted. Um, I actually got the idea from. Uh, remember back when we watched uh, Fear the Walking Dead, that show, the first yeah. season of that. The first season of that show, the plot of it was we gotta we gotta get to the beach and get to a boat. Like that's kind of the like the last few episodes of that show is like we gotta get to boat. Like, okay, yeah, being on a boat during a zombie apocalypse, that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, I don't think it actually worked out too well for them. Um, because you still gotta get like resources and stuff like that, but like. You know, I think it would be a pretty safe place, and uh, you could view the dinosaurs for go on land when you want to. But you know, but then something would go wrong. I mean, it's whether 65 million years ago or in the modern day Jurassic World. Um, you know, it, it's not gonna it's not gonna work out too well, probably. 
Yeah, I mean, there's always dangers. It's just a matter of what danger do you want to face. Because um, even like Mondo said in the mountains, there were still you know certain dinosaurs that lived up there, like like blue raptor. So you still had some of those those dangers that you had to account for. Um, just for just for being able to include her in the conversation, Edna said she wanted to live in Costa Rica. Oh, um, okay. So um, she she's thinking she's thinking like modern, I guess, because 65 million years ago, you're living on Pangaea. There isn't a Costa Rica. It's just a big clump of land in the middle of everything. Um, but she, <clears throat> well, she it's, loves, it's funny. She loves forests and beaches and Costa Rica has both of those. And honestly, it kind of makes sense because the Cinco Muertes are off the coast of Costa Rica, which is where all the dinosaurs are coming from. But yeah. once they're once they're off of that island, how many of them are going to want to go back to that part of the world? Their whole goal is to like, you know, explore the rest of the world and establish their own territories somewhere else. So unless they're homebodies, I would think eventually the number of dinosaurs in the Costa Rica region might actually go down eventually. And real, real I, quick on, well, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say real quick trivia for for you, Zach. I think I remember reading in the Jurassic Park novel that. Wasn't there a raptor or something that was in Costa Rica on the mainland by like some kind of like hospital or something? Maybe I'm just it's, it's been a while since I read the book. It, it has been a while since I've read the book as well. I tried to get back into it. Um, but yes, there there was I think it was a copy. I, I think it was a very aggressive. Oh. I think it was a very aggressive copy that made its way to the mainland. But there was something that looked larger than a lizard, but but smaller than an actual dinosaur. So it, it may have been like a proto-raptor or a baby raptor or a compi. Um, but it was responsible for a lot of infant deaths. Um, if I remember correctly, it was mm. going into like hospital nurseries and killing babies. And they like the doctors were blaming it on sudden infant death syndrome or SIDS. And they couldn't explain why these kids were dying. And uh, towards the the half, like the midway point of the second half of the book, I think it's revealed that it was actually uh, a dino that got loose on the mainland. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think she's read the book, so she doesn't know the context <laughs> of that. But, um, but yeah, that that's a that's a great point, dude. I I need to go back and read that book again. It's a it's a solid Same. read. And not not to not to draw this out too much, but we got a lot of Cretaceousing to talk about. We but do. Uh, do. but uh, I will say, it just occurred to me that in the modern day Jurassic world that we see in in at the end of the series, really, um, the safest place, the place with the least amount of dinosaurs, is Isla Nublar. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only place on Earth that doesn't have dinosaurs, apparently. Oh, I thought was you were going to say, like, indoors, like, stay at home and make a connection to that, but okay. <laughs> so, Ben, I, I do have one quick follow-up, and okay. it's just a comment. So, I thought you said you binged the last two seasons of Camp Cretation. Oh, I did. <clears throat> so, why on earth would you want to be on a damn boat? <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's, true. Well, uh, that's why I added the addendum of things will probably go wrong. I mean, the last boat trip wasn't so bad, was it? Was it? I mean, it de it depends on the on on who's captaining it too. Like, you could have somebody with you that's a pretty good seafarer, but I mean, even even look at um, look at Jaws for example. Like, you think. Being on a on a decently sized boat, you'd be okay, but no, you Look, need I'm a bigger boat. I'm talking about like 
a cruise ship, like fully stocked, fully crewed. I'm not, I don't want to be in a freaking dinghy in like the middle like of the, the ocean like queen, by myself. Like a Queen Mary type of thing. Yeah, like like I said, like it's like a floating city of like, hey, we're hanging out here. We're we're doing our own thing. We've got our own resources. We can survive on our own. You know, this is futuristic kind of stuff. I th- I'm sure there's a there's probably going to be a there's some fan fiction in here that I could write. About. Oh, dude, absolutely. I would uh, honestly, I need to get back into that too. I've been so busy with wedding planning that I haven't had time for video games or fan fiction or anything like that. But, dude, a fanfic about people on a cruise ship when the events of Fallen Kingdom happen like, Ooh, like how many, yeah, how like many, a, Mo- a Mosasaurus attacks a cruise ship. Like, how does that go down? Mm hmm, mm hmm, yeah, or one. pterodactyls or whatever. I wonder if Carnival would would give you refunds. Probably not. No, probably not. Probably not. Knowing probably not. knowing Carnival, they they wouldn't give you refunds if they got hit by a hurricane in the bay. Like they mm. give, they give no craps. Um, okay, so unfortunately, we didn't get to have a season four discussion. Our schedules couldn't line up properly when we were trying to talk about season four. So we're going to try to blend a little bit of season four into our season five discussion because season five is a direct follow-up to a cliffhanger that happens at the end of season four. So I feel like we need to give a few thoughts on season four while we have the opportunity, but for the sake of moving the show forward, we're going to do it in a kind of abbreviated format. So uh, fellas, you see the order of progression on the show notes there. We're going to kind of go in that order, and hopefully around five minutes would be ideal. If it goes a little over, I'm not going to, like, mute you or cut you off. But let's try to get our thoughts together on season four, particularly, like, the season four finale as how it pertains to tying into uh, season five. Steven, I know you said you've got some some very laid out groundwork that you wanted to uh to discuss so i'm gonna yield the floor to you your your five minutes ish uh starts now okay so season four might possibly be my favorite season it's kind of neck and neck with season two but either way it's one of my favorite seasons of the show um and i jotted down some reactions as i watched it Uh, I was glad that Kenji and Darius's fallout at the end of season three was resolved within the season four premiere because I was kind of annoyed by that fallout and glad that it got resolved very quickly. Um, I like that Kenji matured in that season, although I'm sure when we get into season five, we'll kind of talk about the development kind of felt different. Um, In season four, I also appreciate how Ben, uh, the character, not Ben Hart, was like, what if I'm wrong? So, you know, he's maturing as well, kind of acknowledging that maybe he's not always right or something. Yeah, Hart's um, always wrong, so that's not true to life. <laughs> yeah, and um, I have written down here that when everyone roared, I thought, same. Um, I also wrote down Diego from Ice Age looked pretty cool. I guess that's in reference to some prehistoric-looking jungle cat or something. Um <laughs> I thought that it, cause you know, there's the like relationship stuff, like seeds of that with, uh, what was it, Brooklyn and Kenji. Um, and Yaz was trying to like nudge them in that direction and was sort of like nudging Ben on the shoulder or something. And he mistook that for like her possibly having feelings for him. So I thought it was hilarious on Ben like 
gave Yaz a talk. It was like, look, I, I'm I'm good being friends. I'm not really into you in that way. You, you know, just misreading the situation. I thought that was funny. Um, and I guess romance in the show was inevitable. But I'm surprised that it took this long. But also appreciative that it took a while and wasn't just like right away in season one. Um, at some point, Ben, who is a minor, got punched in the face by an adult. <laughs> apparently um i like how the group is more understanding about darius's line of thinking you know when he's like thinking through some of the stuff going on and they're not arguing with him as much in that season uh and of course there's also the antagonist brad and he has those like robot things which i have no problem with um but i know other people do but anyway i, I love how darius was playing brad you know like just making a fool of him. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, but sometimes Darius's voice sounded too fake when he was trying to lie. So that was kind of a knockdown on that aspect. Uh, there's a point where Sammy jokes about Brooklyn slacking and never having hacked a robot to save a friend, but the joke doesn't land because she still feels the pressure. And th that's relatable, I think. Like in situations, we try to make a joke to lighten the mood to make someone feel better to get through something but it sometimes it just doesn't work or isn't the right thing to say uh brooklyn gets some nice comments about her abilities but feels like she isn't as good as people think she is and that really like lots of people can relate to that i think you know it's this whole imposter syndrome like thing uh, the Jurassic World video game in season four looks like Fortnite for some reason. Um, I I also wrote down that Yaz raises an eyebrow at Brooklyn, but I can't remember the context of that, to be honest. Uh, I like how no one animal companion is the same. Like, we got bumpy earlier in the series, but the one we get here is, like, not exactly the same. And I like that it's like serving a similar role, but not the exact same personality, I guess. Um, I also wrote that Darius got hacked back, but I don't remember like how I felt about that. Um, and uh, the last thing I jotted down was couple names. So what would Kenji and Brooklyn's couple name be? Would it be Benji or Crooklyn? Like, which is better i mean maybe it doesn't matter but that's like the crooklyn crooklyn <laughs> yeah but um yeah those were my overall reactions while watching season four i enjoyed it immensely it's maybe an 8.5 or 8.6 or something out of 10 and um yeah it's well, like i know we didn't give it its due it's kind of a lost episode or a lost world one might say haha <laughs> um but yeah really enjoyed that season and uh yeah those are my thoughts on season four and maybe all stuff will come back as in relation to other things we talk about in season five but yeah that's pretty much it what what did you make of the of the season finale um i remember really for season four right i, I remember really liking it overall I was, I remember, Mondo can attest to this, I remember being kind of pissed. I was like, <laughs> I was like are you serious? Are you serious? Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely had a lot of feelings on it, too. But I, 
Appreciate your insights, man. And now we may end up on the other side of the spectrum as we toss it over to the Star Raptor. Um, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, do 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 I do I recall you having almost the opposite reaction to season four? Your 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 five minutes begins now. Yeah. So okay, this season was rough for me. Uh, this is interesting how we are going to defer so much on a lot of these discussions today, but that's cool. Uh, but it all started out good for me. I was like, all right, they're getting off the island. Maybe they're going to go to Isla Sorna. They end up on a place that's not Isla Sorna, but it's just as enticing and, and cool because it's dealing with this different technology. Like you have like simulations of environments. So I thought from a perspective, like, hey, we're in a new place. Like everything's fresh and new. And I, and I like that approach to to the, the fourth season. And this is coming off of season three, which I really enjoyed because it had that horror element of the Indoraptors and they were just terrifying. And that was that was like the stuff I like most about Jurassic is is all that kind of tension built there. And I feel like we lost all that tension in this season because you're halfway through. You get one of the worst caricatures of a villain I've ever seen like this. This guy Cash was just. Oh my gosh, he just annoyed the absolute living daylights out of me. Like, I, it's just, I, I, it was hard for me to get through this with that character. And I appreciate what they did with the characters that we all know, um, strengthening relationships and everything else. And then you have, it gets worse because it's like, okay, you got these things called these brads or these drones or whatever. They're, they're, they're cool. They got these, this interesting, like, stark white contrast their environments you know very next level and then they bring in what is i think like the worst looking design in anything i've seen for jurassic and it's these like life-size raptor robots that have death beams that come out of their mouth (laughs) what the heck is going on with this show and that just completely turned me off because it just felt like i i get it like I'm not the target demographic of this show by a long shot. And what I what I want from it, I've gotten it on many occasions. But this season just seemed like it just it really felt like, OK, I am I am like way over my I'm wanting way more out of the show than than I, I should be expecting to get because we're dealing with these little robots that are just it was it was all over for me. And then the ending for me was was pretty good because we get the Dilophosaurus. So I was I was happy to see those guys coming back. And the cliffhanger was good. I like the cliffhanger. But uh overall, yeah, you wanted my score overall. I I would I would have to give this like a a six out of ten this season. Season four. Yeah, season season four definitely came to some some mixed thoughts and some mixed reviews. And I think it's really important to to show that not every season is going to resonate with everybody the same way. And it's it's also important to show that there's there's going to be like differences of opinion. Like that that's that's true of any franchise, but to be able to have that healthy discourse is something that um is is really important for for any franchise, but I think the particularly the Jurassic franchise just because of how diverse the the opinions can be so thank you appreciate that man um mondo you're up do you have recollections of watching through the fourth season um did you ever watch it again after that time that we binged it together um i went back and i kind of spot checked it a little bit um 
what I mean by that is I kind of went back shortly before. Uh, so I think the day that season five came out, I actually went back to four and I kind of looked at the descriptions of the episodes, kind of started them, kind of went back, watched a few moments just to kind of give myself like my own like little personal recap, just kind of going into five, right? So I right. wouldn't be like going blinder in the bat with a blindfold on. Um, but like I season four is probably my least favorite of the bunch. Uh, not, not to say I didn't enjoy it. Not to say I didn't enjoy my time with it. Um, but I do agree that the, the robotic aspect of it, what, what, did feel a little out there um and it a lot of season four felt way too different way too fast for me and, and i guess what i mean by that is yeah you had some dinosaur peril right like we did get the spino back uh you know there was mm. the saber tooth there were certain aspects of it that were like oh my goodness gracious this is awesome right however the way that it was presented to me, even if I was a kid, I would have felt extremely confused about it. And I say that because the first three seasons, you're on an island. And if you're a kid who's followed Jurassic World or followed Jurassic Park or watched them with your parents or whatever, you know an island full of dinosaurs. Um, that's kind of what you know. So they come off of this island, and you're right. Like, I was like, holy crap, they're off the island. They're going to Sorna. They're going to Site B. Where are they <laughs> going? Um, so, the, like I said, like, the robotic aspect of it, like, it didn't, like, ruin it for me, but it did kind of pull me out of it a little bit because you go from running from dinosaurs mm -hmm. and this this threat of these hybrids and the Scorpio Rex and all of these things, right? So now you've got you got like what got a robo dog. Like it's what you know, remember those from like the nineties? They came in like multicolors and they would dance to music. Like that's yeah. all I could that's all I can think of is like the eye dog or whatever it was called. Um you know I was like they're a metallic Furby that shoot lasers out of their eyes. Like what is, I mean, those were pretty terrifying in their own right. <laughs> but, but to me, the biggest thing was the synthetic environments that they had. Um, that was something that I was like, Oh, really? Like to me, that was, I don't want to say confusing, but I felt like they cried. This is what I think happened. And we're never going to get a confirmation of this unless we do, but I doubt we will, is I have a feeling they didn't, like, they wanted to continue the story without going to an, an island that we've seen before. So they came up with this idea of, hey, we're going to go to an island where everything is fake. What? That doesn't make any dang sense to me. Like, I don't, like, I get it. <laughs> to, I, like, I, I understand it to a point. But to me, it's just a little over the top. And even for a kid, like you mentioned, the demographic aspect of it. And I'll, and I'll say, like, the graphics of the Jurassic World video game looking like Fortnite, 
to me, that makes sense, right? Because that's what that demographic goes bananas for. Okay. But I don't know. Like, I'm thinking about when I was a kid and I'm like, I wouldn't want that crap. Like, <laughs> um, but enough just using it as a porta potty. Um, I, I did like the way that they started to develop the characters a little more. Uh, Zach and I also mentioned, and we mentioned this every single season, it was kind of funny, how graphically the show seemed to kind of step up a little bit and some of their shot selections and some of their uh, choices and the way that they animated things. And I appreciated that quite a bit to, you know, no pun intended or all pun intended uh, to evolve uh, the way that the, the presentation was of the show. Um, and, you know, and, and cash was another thing for me as well. Like, he was a very annoying villain. Like he what like to me when I think of a villain, and we're gonna get to this in our season five discussion, I think of somebody that's intimidating. I think of somebody that, you know, kind of makes you feel like, oh man, um they want it and they're gonna take it. Not some whiny dude who kind of acts like he didn't get enough French fries in his Big Mac order. Uh, I don't know. I just, that just kind of was weird to me. Uh, overall, I'd probably say I would. So overall, I had, I'd probably had it around a 6.5, maybe a 7. Like, there were some really redeeming qualities with the character development. Um, but the ending kind of gave it an automatic like half a grade higher because I felt like the payoff there was pretty doggone awesome. Uh, so, and then one other thing, uh, who, so wh who asked what, what would uh, Kenji and Brooklyn's dating name be? Did somebody uh, ask, somebody asked. Yeah, I could tell you what it would be. It would be a mistake. <laughs> Damn. <All right>. Oh. <laughs> oh. Fighting words. <laughs> All right. That I'm done. <laughs> and just like that, it comes to you, Ben. Do you choose to fight or do you choose to evade? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. This, this is uh this is like up until a couple of weeks ago, I was completely out of the loop on this. I had no idea this season was so controversial and there were, it had so many haters. Um, um, so this is a very interesting discussion for me. This is opening my eyes. It's like, you know, back in, you know, 2001 watching uh, watching the Star, or 2005 watching the Star Wars prequels and being like, oh, those movies are great. And then going online and going like, oh my God, people dislike these movies. What? Um, this is uh, this kind of thing. So I, I, I overall, I enjoyed this season like i i think season four was was pretty good i think i understood what they were trying to do what of course i have the hindsight of watching season five like immediately after like my weight from that that cliffhanger meant nothing to me because my, my weight was like like 30 seconds of like netflix loading the next episode i just went right into the next episode um for season five so it was nothing there so 
so I see where they're going. I see where like, okay, they want to give like they kind of want their own something that they can do with the writers of Camp Cretaceous can do something with. They don't want to just put it on Isla Sorna or keep it on Nublar. They want to kind of their own thing to do with. And then of course in the ending with season five, something that, that will keep the dinosaurs safe um, from what happens. So I get that. Um, I do. I will agree. <laughs> like the, uh, the, whatever they call them, the super brads, the Brad X's bridge too far, bridge too far. Those things just, a hideous design like that that not good the the brat the, like the regular brads are okay <laughs> like they're fine i get robot dogs it makes sense logically speaking if you have like a controlled environment you'd need like a robot dog and you need drones so like that i think i think all the mechanics of that island work like within the context of like i could see this happening in live action i could see like okay there's a there's a, a controlled environment, this underground, you know, manufactured um, environments, all this kind of stuff that's done in-house and they control all this stuff with the dinosaurs. Like, I get that. That's really cool technology. The Super Brads were like, the Brad X's were like, oh, my God, this is – come on, guys. Um, thankfully, they kind of phased them out, I think, towards the end, but, you know, still towards the end of season five, but just like that. I will say my ultimate, like, praise for the season overall was um, – you know the the moment I think is one of the earliest episodes is 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 uh, I think it's called uh, uh, Rude Awakening, uh, where it starts to explore like Yaz having, you know, nightmares about what she's experienced and them kind of having a discussion about it and kind of acknowledging that they're all kind of had nightmares like that and the psychological aspects of what they've been through. They've been through hell. I know this is a this is a kid show. I get it, but it's important. I think really to have those types of discussions in a medium like this. Um, I think it was really brave of them to kind of go that route and go like, Hey, we're going to have a episode, you know, and maybe they discussed a few more episodes too. of just like, let's talk about mental health and how you deal with trauma because we, we're not as a society, not, not, we don't have a good track record with dealing with mental illness, especially because especially everybody deals with trauma. I don't care. You don't have to experience something. Just live through the last few years. You've experienced trauma. Um, and it's especially, you know, it's a traumatic for kids because they don't they don't understand what's going on, uh, especially younger kids that are watching the show. So I think it's really important to go like, hey, kids or adults say, yeah, it's OK if you experience trauma it's okay if it messes you up because you're not alone it's fine you just work through it it's easier if you talk about it and you can work through it that's really important message i think i think so i like that they they discussed that and then going into the you know the the romance aspect and the relationships that was i suppose uh What's bound to happen? I think I, I mean, with the hindsight of season five, I like the way everything turned out. I think was was well was well done. But uh, yeah, I, it it would just kind of come out of left field that all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden they're into each other. Um, but uh, hey, it works. So uh, yeah, I like season four. I think I like season four more than anybody else on this call for some reason. I don't know. Well, what uh, number would you rate it? Oh, um, I'll give it like an eight out of ten. Oh yeah, I'll then I'll I take, liked I'll it take... more than you did. <laughs> okay, all right. By a half a point. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking two big points off where Brad X is. Other than that, I really don't have any complaints. So what what's interesting is you were talking about how trauma helps 
create bonds and build relationships. And Stephen, I don't know, you may be the only other one on the call who has who has seen this, but is there anybody else who has watched the uh, the Netflix series titled The Dragon Prince? Yeah, I, I guess it's just us then. <laughs> I guess I guess it's just us. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite aspects of The Dragon Prince is the time that they take to help relationships evolve. Um, Callum and Rayla, the two main characters, are at each other's throats constantly in the first couple of seasons. They have very different backgrounds that they come from. They have very different and, and opinionated points of view. Um, but they, they kind of work together out of necessity. And they experience things together that could be considered somewhat traumatic. They, they go through a lot of really, really terrible things uh, that happen either to them or to their family, loved ones, you know, the world, circumstances, what have you. And by, I want to say it's the third season, isn't it? By season three, the two of them actually end up together. And yeah. I don't think it had anything to do with like a, a mutual physical attraction, although the bantering that goes on through the first couple of seasons could be construed as such. But I kind of saw them getting together almost more as a result of their shared trauma as much as it is about who they are and who they mean to each other. Like, yes, their friendship and their relationship evolves over time, but I really feel like their shared experiences are the things that have helped them bond the most. And that is especially true in Camp Cretaceous is the the characters have been evading dinosaurs for months they're the only people that they've been able to talk to they haven't had much contact with the outside world and when they do it kind of turns gilligan's island on them where by the end of the episode or by the end of the season they don't have contact with the mainland anymore and so the the shared trauma and the shared experiences are definitely things that they have been slowly building towards over the course of the entire show and I appreciate that they took their time with Brooklyn and Kenji. I appreciate that there was time that was taken and a lot of consideration that was made um, before the, the big relationship reveal in season five. Like, you have to go through these things in order to justify those types of payoffs. And while I feel like the one in season five did, I still don't know if I feel like the one in season four was earned. I I get that those two have had kind of both a flirtatious bond and a trauma bond, but I, I, I told this to Mondo, and, I, and I'll say it to all of you guys, I still feel like Darius and Brooklyn had better chemistry than, than Brooklyn and Kenji did. And I am still kind of upset that the two of them never ended up together. Uh, it's not that I don't think Kenji has a lot to offer, it's just that I think he doesn't deserve her the way Darius does. But that's just one man's opinion. But uh, overall, the show has done, especially in season four, has done a good job of helping the characters build and grow and change and evolve. And they they did that with Brooklyn and Kenji uh, in one of the, in this most recent season and in the past one. And then they did it with Ben um, I want to say in season two, where he kind of grows and, and changes and evolves. So they've they've had opportunities for each character to experience things that helps them grow. And that was probably one of my biggest takeaways from season four, because I'm trying so hard not to harp on the Brads. I'm trying so hard. Everybody <laughs> else, everybody else has talked about the Brads in some capacity. 
I understand that they're a marketing ploy. I understand that you kind of you need them for your target demographic. I understand, you know, all of the logic behind it. But that doesn't mean I have to like it. That doesn't mean I have to agree with it. I I don't. I don't. I like May showing up, you know, being somebody that Darius has read her papers and he admires her and then he sees, you know, how she learns from and interacts with the creatures from the biomes, the ability to use different vocalization structures to be able to talk to dinosaurs is a really cool concept. There were there were a lot of things in season four that had potential that they just didn't execute properly on. So uh, I, I feel like overall it's it's around a seven out of ten for me. But for me, seven in the six to seven range is very middle of the road. Um, I, I don't really give a whole lot of stuff a five out of ten because that just that feels like I'm I'm rating a Blumhouse production instead of a Universal production. But um, overall, I feel like season four was kind of a, a mixed bag, a little hit and miss, and there were a lot of times that it kind of missed more often than it hit for me. That's fair. I okay. agree with that. Okay, I'm so, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to take a breath now because I'm okay. I'm, so while you're breathing, I want to ask Ben something. Uh, yeah. So, you know, he's you know, we're all big Star Wars fans, you know, but I feel like you kind of maybe tend to lean uh, into the Star Wars fandom maybe a little bit more than than the rest of us do. Maybe a little too much sometimes. Um, I mean, the man has his own Facebook page with six figures worth of fans on it, so. I think yeah. he leans into it a bit more than we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so my question to you though is, you know, I kind of felt like with season four, it kind of took like that almost, I don't want to say futuristic, you know, but sort of, I, I kind of felt like a little bit of star Wars in it, in a way with the Brad's and the way that they kind of were, you know, almost like droids. Brad X's uh, would have worked better in star Wars than they did in this, this show. I mean, well, no, felt more at home. their aesthetic didn't remind me of Star Wars at all, though. But maybe that's just me. Well, it, so the aesthetic didn't. But my question is where they're kind of like, I felt like they were more relatable to something out of Star Wars. Um, did you maybe feel that at all? Maybe while you were watching that, like maybe they kind of was a little more relatable to something of that nature. Yeah, I can. I mean, I could definitely see that. I didn't really have that thought until now but now that you mention it like yeah i i could i could definitely see that um i don't know the brad is just so weird because i'm thinking like it really does feel like a, like a just a, a you know and when you talk about marketing talk about toys like that you can definitely draw comparisons to star wars from there like there's no there's no there's no uh no avoiding that comparison okay Stop. you know you know Slap what though? Logo on a bag of lettuce and people will buy it. They Star did. Wars practically uh, invented merchandising. Like that's but, that's the thing. But you know what? We keep talking about merchandising. Look, I walked down the toy aisle a lot more than I probably should. Um <laughs> and I always stop and look at the Jurassic Park stuff, the yeah. Jurassic World stuff. And you know, I don't know if I've ever seen a Brad or a Brad X depicted in plastic form. See, I it, haven't seen any either. Yeah, I've Coast. seen quite a few Camp Cretaceous stuff 
on the Walmart toy aisle and nothing. Oh, yeah. Brad X. See, and that's what makes them better. They were not made for the toys, so it's more artistic <laughs> integrity. Or the were they made for the toys, but they were so poorly received, they were like, this is never going to sell. Nope. Here's the thing. We need to actually get a five-year-old and ask them, <laughs> what do you think of it? Not a bunch of old, bitter dudes. This Brad X is lame in my little kid show. Um, you know, all of, uh, all of us uh, weirdos watching a kid's show and complaining about that, that, that weird, that weird robot in this weird show is a little too weird for me. That's I, how we sound. I, I will say this, something I did appreciate about the Brad X is in a weird warped way. Okay. I don't know if you guys remember way back yonder in time. Okay. When. Jurassic Park 4, this is before Jurassic World had, was even discussed, Great. talked about, was even a thing. Jura Jurassic Park 4. Now, it oh. never came out. It never happened. But some of the early storyboard talks of Jurassic Park 4 were human hybrid dinosaurs that were created for basically war-type purposes or to be used as weapons. Um, I kind of maybe felt like the Brad X's were maybe like, a I don't want to say a full depiction of that, but the way they kind of stood upright, they walked like a person would, um, but they also kind of had like that dinosaur-esque, raptor-esque face to them. To me, it just looked like a alligator that spent too much time in Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, to me, like, that's what they were, but I kind of maybe got that a little bit, and I thought that possibility, and again, nothing's confirmed, nothing will ever be confirmed, but I th the possibility that they kind of threw that sort of Easter eggy cameo sort of thought in there intrigued me at, at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, it is like I would be interested to see, like hear like the behind the scenes of the show, like what their motivations were, you know, what they were trying to do with this. Because because I'm trying to think of like obviously they're not going to admit like oh it was just for merchandising, um, but like I'm trying to think of what the Brad X's were like. What there was their purpose other than just being more intimidating? Because I don't remember them doing anything other than like shooting lasers and like I feel like the the Brads, the original Brads, OG Brad, um, they were intimidating enough because like they freaking shot lasers that could kill you. Um, so that was intimidating, pretty intimidating. But uh, I don't know. Um, we really should move on from this. We really should move. On. I, I'm, yeah, I'm done harping should. on. The, I'm done, done harping on the Brads. Um, that was really I, my only grievance, and uh, I don't want to make it sound like I hated it because I didn't. I, I didn't mean to bring it back up in like a like a discussion form like that. I just kind of wanted to throw that out there and maybe um, get your opinion on that as you know from a, maybe from branching out into a different fandom, so to speak, and uh, maybe throw in that nugget that I noticed. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it definitely nugget. was it definitely was uh, <laughs> Camp Cretaceous uh, jumping the robot shark. Did you mean the robot gator? It kind of it kind of looked like a shark to me sometimes. It's got the nose, kind of a kind of a sharky, but, sharky yeah, nose. Yeah, the the the, 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 the round 
the rounded the rounded nose kind of looked more like a shark nose than a gator to look me. Like look like if Riff Tampson was a was a robot to me. Man, I like that season. That story arc was good. Oh yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to season five. We're almost halfway into our episode, and we haven't even talked about the topic of our episode. Damn it. <laughs> um, let's go around the horn and do like uh, in two minutes or less. Give our thoughts, uh, spoiler free, on season five and like how satisfied were we with the conclusion and that sort of thing. Um, we'll go in the order that we have been. So, Stephen, you'll lead us off. What uh, What did you make of season five and how satisfied were you uh, with the conclusion of this show? Yeah, so I guess we're not going to spoilers yet, right? So, overall, season five, I would rank smack dab in the middle amongst the seasons. Um, I'll, I'll give my score for it now and my overall score for the entire show, like at the end, but I'd say it's probably around an eight out of 10 for me. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, but you know, the stuff that season four set up with, you know, the relationship stuff, I've, it felt like if they took a sharp turn, like in season five, and I think I have speculation as to why that may have been, which I'll go into later, but I, I do, so it was kind of frustrating at points, but I do like that by the end, it was a satisfying and heartwarming conclusion and possibly teasing a possible future for Jurassic animation, which I'm sure we'll get into later on that. But yeah, so like, I, I'm still glad to have watched it despite frustrations here and there. Like it was still good, just... Uh, I guess I prefer the even-numbered seasons overall, weirdly enough. <laughs> well, that, that's that's interesting. I'm, we're definitely going to talk on um, the the possibility of, of what's going to come next, but uh, appreciate these thoughts in the meantime. Uh, Chris, you are up. Uh, spoiler-free initial thoughts on the final season and your satisfaction with how the show ended. Yeah, so this was a little bit more easier for me to uh, get through this season here. I, I think there was definitely some moments, um, which I'm not going to spoil yet because it's not a spoiler, but it also had to do with technology that was used in ways that had me scratching my head. As This is just strange. I could see why they put it in, but it was just off-putting to me. But I think just the finality of it and with the... The, the questions and the discussions that the kids were having about, hey, what do we do after this? Like, those are logical questions that anybody would have. It's like they're so, you know, caught up in the moment of surviving, surviving. But it's like, what happens when we're not having to deal with our lives at stake every second of the day? So for them to kind of get on that that road, the villain was way better. Uh, the villain actually had a backstory the villain had a connection to one of the characters which made the threat as we were talking about um in the previous uh, segment um much more present i guess you could say uh, you could also have the uh, the other annoying guy cash was still in the show and is like oh here we go again same thing with the brad so those same criticisms still hold uh, but overall, I was satisfied, and we'll discuss that last scene because I, I need to discuss it with you guys because I was a little bit confused with what, what was going on as far as, like, ages are concerned and all that because it seemed, like, a little bit jarring for me. 
based on just simple years and numbers, but that's more of a nitpick than anything else. Uh, but overall, I think they did it as good as they could have with wrapping everything up, um, considering that I just thought season four, like Armando was, Armando was saying, was like, yeah, that was a, a quite a bit of a left turn that gave me whiplash with where they were in seasons one, two, and three. So That's awesome. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to talking about... I, I, we've kind of... Mondo and I have started calling it an epilogue, more or less. Like, taking a look at what's happened further down the line and uh, how all of that plays out. Uh, we'll probably try to find a way to tie that into the uh, the, the other show conversation. But, uh-huh. um, Mondo, you are up. Season five thoughts and thoughts on the finale. So I thought season five redeemed itself to me with a lot of the grievances, I guess you can say, that I had of four. Uh, You know, we've been kind of dunking on the Brads. Um, I mean, anybody named Brad, really. Um, But... you know, we we kind of talk about them, and that you kind of felt like they kind of took it about face a little bit. You know, they definitely like they were still there, um, and they kind of had a place in the story, but it wasn't as uh, prevalent, uh, if that makes sense. Like it wasn't as like noticeable and forced. Uh, well, some of it was forced, but it wasn't as like in your face. Um, I. I agree about the villain. Uh, I love the villain in season five. Uh, in fact, that's probably one of my favorite parts about the entire season. Uh, and we'll get into that later. But uh, that that final ep- that final ep- that epilogue, as you called it, uh, I thought that was really awesome. And I thought it was really cool because it kind of shows because this is something that we had actually discussed like holy cow these kids have been running for okay so to go to chris's point was it chris or was it steven who talked about the age and they were confused that would be me okay so to 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 i was confused too at first until you realize that only six months had passed. But um, yeah, why did they look like they were like three years older at least? That's where well, I was like confused. Well, here, here's the thing. I remember when I watched Fallen Kingdom a couple years ago, there was something in the movie that made me think, okay, it is three years after Jurassic World. So that's what I figured here. So type yeah, of thing. I, I think so. I actually think like in like the movies, I think they follow a little closer to the years in which they were released. Like that's like their time. So I do think in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I do think it's 2018 uh, in the movie verse. So you kind of take a couple years. It it, it does kind of match. And you kind of think that they're, they're adolescents. So they're kind of hitting like that growth spurty thing. To to age like that in a couple of years is actually very plausible. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I, that did that did throw me off because we've been we've been following this show for several years. It feels like right. 
Um, it's been on the air for almost two years. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been following this show for two years. Yet in the in the realm of the show, not even a half a year has has transpired. So to me, that was kind of took me out. But anyway, I'm 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 spending way too much time on that. But my that epilogue was was awesome because Zach and I we had talked about this a lot. Like man, these poor kids, they've been running for their lives for the last you know bit of their life, and they're gonna get home. They're gonna be like, we're safe. And then they're going to open the front door. There's going to be a rapper sitting on their sofa. Like, what, 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 no, what's happening? Like, like it's the nightmares all over again, but it's not a nightmare. Um, and you got to see that. And you got, it got to see that moment of it's back. Like we started at the bottom. Now we're here. Like we're back here again. Like at least we're not in the tree anymore. Like, you know, it's that scenario. Uh, I thought that was awesome, and I do hope it leads to something greater. Like I hope it leads to something awesome, and I re- and we're going to talk about this later too. I really, really enjoyed how the promise, because it was promised that Camp Cretaceous was going to have little branches that extended to all three of the movies, and we got that in season five, and I was really happy about that. I'm done. <laughs> I never like to assume, and I'm also terrible at multitasking, so it just, it, it was the perfect storm of, is he ever going to shut up, versus I'm busy typing. <laughs> well, I know, and, and look, I'm, I'm long in the tooth when it comes to talking, okay? So, it's really weird. I can't, I can't run because I run out of breath, but I can talk for days. My daddy always used to say if I got locked, you suffocate, okay? And I, I probably would. Well, I'm answering a question from our friend George in the chat, and I meant to say this at the top of the show. He's asking, is there a reason that IPC is on tonight instead of on a Friday? Um, The long and short of it is IPC is kind of changing its format um, in order to accommodate Ben's and my busy schedules. And mine is about to get even busier with high school football. And Ben's is is increasingly busy with the now Star Wars Underworld Network and helping manage that. Congratulations on that, by the way. I haven't gotten to, like, formally congratulate you on that, but that is some exciting movements happening over there. Thank you Um, so much. And and then you've got stuff at the restaurant. You've got stuff with Culture Slay. Like, there's a lot that you're juggling and a lot that I'm juggling, and so... This just happened this to be. This man is freaking getting married, guys. Let's not let's not gloss over that fact, okay? True. He's having a major, major, ma- making a major life uh, thing here. Uh, that uh, is going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort. That uh, needs his full attention, and uh, uh, IPC needs to take a back seat to that. Well, maybe it'll return to a middle seat, front seat eventually, but. This just happened to be the night that we could get everybody on the show together. And I, I know I haven't said it yet, but I appreciate all you guys taking time out of your evening to be a part of this discussion because it's a big one. And until we get confirmation of an of a new show, this is it for our Jurassic arc for the time being until, you know, they talk about a new movie coming out or they talk about a new show coming out. Like, this is it. Like, now that Dominion's out, this is it. And so I'm glad that we're kind of assembling everybody to talk about this this final season. Um I'm I'm gonna kind of unless I missed anybody, I'm I'm gonna kind of take it in uh reverse order just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um let's let's talk about 
uh, some of our favorite moments in season five. So Ben, uh, as long as you don't have to be pulled away yet, you'll be up first. No, I'm good. Um, do you have a particular moment or two from season five that stand out to you above the others? Um, yeah, it's, it's hard. Cause I, cause my kind of overall thoughts of the season are like, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought there was a lot of great moments um, that is hard to narrow it down. I mean, it's it's hard not to say, here we are again, getting into spoilers, guys. If you haven't seen it, you probably need to try to tune out if you're planning on watching it because we're going to get into spoilers. Um, the last, one of the last scene probably is is definitely a standout moment in the entire series. It was the, it was the that little epilogue was just like was not something I expected. And uh, definitely was I always love it when series kind of give you that little thing at the end of like, OK, it's it's a you know, it's 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 it felt like a prize at the end. It felt like, OK, we're giving you this little present at the end of you know everything worked out OK. And I think as much as everyone loves everything to be dark and gritty and 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 everyone dies at the end, you know, stuff these days. Um, it's nice to have a story end with like, yeah, everything turned out all right. Everything was fine. Everybody got what they wanted. Everybody survived. All the good people survived. <laughs> it is fine. And, you know, I like that, and especially speaking of mental health and, and trauma, stuff like that. We've all been through a lot. And I think kids and adults need to sit back and watch something and go like, that was a really feel good story. And that's how I felt after watching this show. We're just like, hey, this is a really feel good story. Um, and also I'll add this, um, literally any, any scene firecrackers in any scene is gold. Uh, that was a, that was a great addition to the cast was firecracker. And what were the other two names? One was angel, right? And then right. there was, a, there was those rebel and one. angel, rebel, rebel. And angel and firecracker. Rebel and Angel. How did I remember that? See, I, I, see, I, I just watched all the episodes. I finished them last night. So that's yeah. all I remember. Yeah, your 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 recalls a lot better than mine is. Um, but yeah, those are those are really great sequences. Um, who is next, Mondo? Uh, did you have any moments from season five? Yeah, I did. So you know, obviously the epilogue, and I, and I feel like that's a that's kind of a cop out answer. But I loved that moment. I loved that final piece that she got there. Um, to, to kind of tie it into the films, show the world that, you know, no pun intended, show the world uh, that we've kind of come to know based on the films. Uh, my other one is, and I've said this in my recap, how it kind of connected the films. I loved the revelation about the Barbasol can. Quit stealing my, really cool. Quit stealing my answers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Uh, and I, I just, like I said, I, I, it was like, oh, my gosh. Um, that's how it's there. And I remember, like, in the film, like, in Dominion, people were asking, um, where did the Barbasol can come from? You know, where did it come from? Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Oh, my gosh. It's the can. Uh, well, we find out where it comes from in... Camp Cretaceous season five. And I thought that was cool. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, but it's not my turn yet. Chris, it is over to you, sir. Yeah. 
I liked, um, as I've said a few times, just anytime the compies are involved. So I believe the compies actually killed somebody, right? Or at least got very close to it. In, in season five. See, yeah, in season I've, five, I think they, they ran down one of the people I was looking to buy for her her boss. One female. Um, she oh, ran away, yes. and I think she got taken down by the compies. Yes, yes, yes. One of the buyers that uses the video game controllers. Yeah. Yeah, by okay. the way, that's the thing. By the way, that's that. That's what I was referencing very slyly in my opening s- segment on why are they doing this? <laughs> this is such a kid thing, right? Like they, they you know, want kids to play these video games, right? That's the, the new hot thing, Fortnite. Let's let's um let's try to put a video game in uh, this series somehow, and, and just like all right, we're controlling dinosaurs with drones. Like I don't know anymore, but uh. Besides that, I will say that the nice cameo appearance of a character we haven't seen since the original Jurassic Park was pretty cool. Let me, let me ask you, though, because you and Mondo are both gamers, so Mondo, I'll, I'll pose this to you as well. If an opportunity presented itself, let's say you're one of these affluent, super rich buyers. If the opportunity presented itself... Are you telling me that you would not control a Spinosaurus or a Raptor using a mind control video game controller if the opportunity presented itself? Oh, I don't I totally think would. I would trust it. I don't think I would trust it. In the back of my head, I would say at any point, this tech could fail and I'll be dead. <laughs> you know, because yeah, just seems too cruel. <laughs> yeah, that too. Those like they they somehow managed. What I will say, they somehow managed to like make you care for these like bloodthirsty killing machines i will say that that was awesome and how you how it kind of gave you that like that that sense of like a moral compass while watching it you were like "Ooh, that's and and it's and it's a part of the plot line like it's actually a part of the plot line how they did that well Um, and what what's interesting is that they're not like using a particular character like brooklyn's not observing this from a force and going this is inhumane. We shouldn't be letting this happen or, or whatever. Like you're just a observer of the scene of the event. This is the events that are happening. You draw your own conclusions, but it is so creatively and intentionally constructed that the conclusion you have to draw is that it's cruel. And that's a very interesting way of including I wouldn't call it a social agenda necessarily, but including a a relevant uh, a relevant point into a story without being forced to drive it home from the assistance of some character voicing their opinion and, and trying to speak on behalf of the audience. This show's intelligent enough that it allows the audience to come up with these conclusions for itself. So I appreciated that. Um Steven, I believe you're up, sir. Yeah, I, I just got to say, I'm surprised that uh, there, nobody said my favorite part was when Cash got eaten. But anyway, um, <laughs> so my favorite moment is probably also the cop-out answer of, you know, when they get back on land, their home finally, you know, it's just such a feel-good moment. But I'll also mention that I appreciate the moments where 
they actually talk to each other about their issues and it feels real. Like, mm -hmm. um, when, you know, after uh, Sammy and Diaz have gotten together and they're still in peril, they talk about how they, uh, how they feel bad about being happy while everyone else is, like, going through things. And I feel like that's a, something that people can feel on a universal level, uh, pun intended. You know, people, some people might have it better than others while they know that their friends are struggling with certain things. And it's just really uncomfortable having that contrast, you know. Um, and also, it, it was very human when Darius and Brooklyn had that talk about uh, Kenji finally. Yeah. They're both close to Kenji in different ways and they have to like come to terms with you know, this thing happened to our friend and it's really not good. And, uh, but on that note, I, what I will say about the relationships is that, you know, like I said, it felt like a sharp turn that they built up. Um, like I, I didn't have any couple that I, from the start, I was like, oh, these two have to get together. But when they were building up Brooklyn and Kenji to be a thing, I was like, okay, sure. Why not? And then they sort of shelved it during this season when Kenji was having his uh, daddy issues. And while that was happening, I was like, all like for like eight episodes, I kept thinking to myself at different points, okay, Kenji is a mole, right? He's like pretending to go along with his dad. And the reason Darius isn't answering when they say, what do you think about all this, Darius, is that Darius is also in on the plan. It, it's, they're both in on it. They're both doing this like super secret undercover thing and it's gonna blow our minds and then that wasn't what it was like Kenji was unfortunately under the thumb of his dad for a while um and I also think that maybe part of the reason that the Kenji and Brooklyn a romance got shelved for a bit you know it was like a cute moment when he dressed up and like brought a flower or whatever but it got shelved quickly, and I wonder if maybe that's because they knew that they were going to build up Sammy and Diaz next, but it would feel kind of uneven that they have one season of, uh, of, of Sam and Diaz while having had two seasons of Brooklyn and Kenji, so they want to make it equal so that it feels like each of those relationships has a season... Right. Uh, so that one isn't doesn't have more screen time than the other, if if that makes sense. So it no, feels it does. more equal. Yeah, it um, does. But yeah, that that was kind of like some of the issues I had there. Uh, there's still like some good moments, like I mentioned, like the very human moments are what I really love. Like when they did the sleepover at, after having like, because they've been through so much together. So of course they would like not be so quick to sleep alone in their quarters at this place. You know, they all trust each other at the beginning of the season after all they've been through. Yeah, I, I did appreciate that scene. It, it was subtle, but it was, it was also kind of powerful that you had been in the same relative proximity for the last six months that being in your own room would possibly make you uncomfortable. And that is kind of the character exploration that I appreciate from this show is that they're they're not just saying, okay, here's what happens next. They're also saying, here's how this person feels about what's happening next. 
And is this an individual feeling for this particular character or is this a collective sensation? You know, even harkening back to like season two, some some of the campers had good feelings about Mitch and Tiff. Some of them had not so good feelings about Mitch and Tiff. Like Mitch and Tiff were the next thing happening to the story, but each camper was kind of interpreting it in different ways. And they could have done that with this scene as well, being like, oh, well, maybe it's only Sammy and Yaz. But then you look at it and it's like, oh, everybody's uncomfortable being alone and everybody's going to be in the same room together now. And so it was a little thing, but I think it really helped showcase the bond. And then, you know, not too much longer later, you see Kenji kind of turning back into a turd again in order to impress his dad. And it kind of enhances the betrayal a little bit because you see how strong the bond is. And then you see that in spite of all of that, he's willing to break it for a dad who is kind of using him. And so that was, that was a good element to include. I feel like, um, as far as like some of my favorite scenes, um, I think it's pretty obvious now that we're going to be talking about the epilogue in a, in a pretty um substantial detail so we may give a, a little bit more time to that than we originally thought because i i enjoyed it as well but i don't know if i enjoyed it as much as everybody else here did which will be interesting um i don't know if it was necessarily bad it was just not what i thought or hoped it was going to be so it's an important moment for sure but i i think some of the stuff that's happening on the island was a little bit more important to me. Um, I liked the the final fight sequence that involved, you know, the Spinosaurus, Big Edie, and Little Edie. Like, you're, you're kind of assembling all of the dinosaurs that you've had from previous episodes and trying to incorporate them in one big scene, which is ambitious, and I appreciated that. But I think the other thing that I also really appreciated about this season was taking Roxy, Dave, and Brandon, whom we haven't seen a whole lot of from previous seasons, they make it to Nublar. And in a way, they kind of recap the adventures that the kids have been on. Like, you get to see Mitch and Tiff's old camp through their lens. You get to see the the camper's old fort that they had from season three. You get to see all of these different parts of the park that the kids have explored over the course of the show. And it's almost like kind of recapping the show and getting you back up to speed while also paying homage to the adventures they've been on, while also giving new adventures to these characters who haven't really been involved since season one, essentially. So again a testament to the writing that they were able to simultaneously recap previous stories while creating new stories for new characters um that is that is a very complex piece of writing that i feel like they did really really well here's the thing zach i i feel like i don't know why they're really in the story that i feel like to me personally they They've could have been way more instrumental in the story. It feels like they got introduced and they were gone for like at least three or four episodes. There was like nothing about them. I'm like, what was the point of bringing these people in? Yeah, they played a factor in the end, but it just seemed like 
it was more of an afterthought to me. I don't know what what you guys if you guys want to chime in on that. Anybody? Mondo? Steven? No, because I never really I didn't really have that thought process. Like I didn't really I think I was so wrapped up in everything else, like I kind of didn't really even notice that. That yeah, not to I say, was kind of neutral on it, yeah. Not to say that he's wrong. I'm not I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to say like how dare you say that um, or anything like that. I just mean like I until I was two seconds ago years old when I even thought of that. <laughs> well, because I was watching it and I was like, where are they? They they had like the one sequence where they go on the island and they were literally doing nothing. I was like, well, that was kind of a waste. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the attention needs to be on the campers, though. The whole show has been about them. And you're trying to wrap up their storyline. Granted, you're doing it with two extra episodes. It, it had been like 10 episodes or, you know, even nine, I think, in one season. Um, but they're doing it in 12 this time in order to try and wrap everything up. And so the attention, rightfully so, needs to be on the kids. But um, I'm, I'm probably doing another shot in dark. Anybody seen Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah. Um, you remember the Ember Island Players episode in season three? Oh, that episode is so good. <laughs> because it kind of recaps their adventures while they get to take a short breather, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're taking a look at the events that have transpired through another person's lens, in this case, the Ember Island Players, and you get to kind of relive some of the experiences while you anticipate what's about to happen in the end of the show. And the the adventures of, of, of Roxy and Dave and Brandon, to me, are almost like the Jurassic equivalent of the Ember Island players. They are helping you recap the show, helping you anticipate what's about to happen in the finale, but it doesn't take away from the primary character so much that the show ends up becoming about them. So... That that's kind of how I saw it. I, I didn't see them as pivotal players, but I did see it as clever writing where you didn't have to necessarily take the kids back to Nublar in order to help recap and wind up the show. So that would have taken a lot longer and been a lot more convoluted than just having their rescuers end up someplace that the kids are not. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're so close, but you're so far. Like being able to see it from that limited omniscient point of view it, it was it was clever and and it could have been done probably better now that now that i'm hearing your case chris but i i don't think it needed a whole lot more screen time because the more screen time you give to them the less screen time there is for the characters that the show's supposed to be about well and the other thing to think about like to kind of interject myself here because that's what i do best uh i I would also argue to a point that where it's kind of a cool feature, it, it's not, I, I would say it's probably minimally even necessary in the first place to, to give them extra screen time because it's like, it's like playing the fifth sequel of a video game. Like, are you really going to sit down and play the fifth sequel of a video game? If you hadn't played the first four, like you might kind of jump into it. Um, but chances are, like, most people that are watching season four, five are, have probably already seen the other one. So it's not really necessarily, I don't think about, 
I think it was more about reminding of the story. Because remember, we're talking about kids, right? Watching a show over the course of two years. Right. You know, it's more about refreshing the story more than recapping. Like, more than like, you know, like, oh, in case you missed it, like, in case you hadn't been around that long. Like, I think it's more about that, like, kind of giving, like, those subtle reminders than it is anyway about, like, hey, this is what happened, like, previously on Camp Cretaceous. Like, I, you know, that's just my, that's just my two cents. I, I think this show is, is constructed well enough that it can, it can do both. Um, but that that's part of the reason why I, I don't give it, like, all of the credit, because, because the show has been around for only two years, you don't really need that as much as you do with other shows. Um, like even, even Avatar The Last Airbender had three seasons, but it was, it was spread out over a couple of years. And so like you, you kind of needed to, to go back and look at those weekly episodes and kind of help people remember and stuff. When you do it in kind of a binge format, you could do previously on, but to, to incorporate the recap in the story takes something different. And I guess I just appreciated the way that they did it. That's all. Well, but it's also cool that they incorporated, like they did it incorporating the characters that you kind of saw at the beginning. Like it kind of brings them full circle again too. Um, and then they're also while while also realizing, dang, these kids that we accidentally left behind did all this. Like you know, and then you got the doofus guy who would probably trip over a cordless television remote. Uh, you know, so I, so I agree. And I remember watching this with you, right? Uh, and you were very high on that as it was happening. Like, as we were watching it, you know, you were very high on that as it was occurring. So it makes sense that you're you're happy about Like, you're, you're still high on it. So that makes, you know, it makes sense. Well, we've got other things to talk about besides this as well. And when Ben returns, he had to step out for a few minutes. When he returns, we'll get to the epilogue. In the meantime, we've got a couple of other questions that we can touch on um, while we wait. And one of the big ones, obviously, is a dinosaur-centric program. So we've got to ask about the dinosaurs. Um, which which dinosaur uh, from this season was your favorite? Who made the biggest impact and why? I know we're kind of skipping around on the on the show notes, but I feel like this one's just the timing of it is better because we've been talking about character development, we've talked about writing, we've been talking about all these other things. But at the end of the day, it's Jurassic World, so we need to be talking about the Jurassic players, which is the dinosaurs. So, uh, Stephen, I'll, I'll throw it back to you as we go around the horn. Um, did you have a favorite dinosaur? It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a new dinosaur, but just which dinosaurs stood out to you in this season? Bumpy all the way. Like, just seeing Bumpy again was just amazing. And it was heartbreaking when, like, uh, you know, Bumpy couldn't eat the berries. But, you know, the way that the whole thing went down and it just, again, coming full circle, bringing back you know, the mascot that we know and love. And it's just... It was great. Like I, I'm a Bumpy's my favorite dinosaur in all of uh, the Jurassic franchise. It's like no question. 
it kind of helps to unmute yourself before you start talking again. <laughs> Did um, I'm sure you've seen it because we're we're Facebook friends, but you um, I'm gonna make you a little jealous. You do know I've actually met Bumpy, right? Oh yeah, I think I think I vaguely remember you sharing that pick. Yeah, Mondo and I went to go see the Jurassic World the exhibition. And one of the animatronic characters that they had at the exhibition was Bumpy, which I thought was really, really cool, incorporating stuff from Camp Cretaceous into the Jurassic World experience. It was almost like a like a marketing campaign, because if people didn't know who she was, they'd be like, it's a show that's on Netflix. You should totally check it out, that kind of thing. Bumpy has become like this show's baby Yoda, more or less. And uh, I'm I'm totally here for it. Um, Chris, how about you? Did it was there a particular dino that stood out to you this season? Yeah, I mean, it's been in prior seasons, but I got to give credit to the pteranodons. Uh, I like the flying dinosaurs, and I especially thought they had a lot of um, a lot of risk, a lot of danger going in. Um, you know, going off what I said before about ah. Oh, yeah, you know, video game controlled dinosaurs, but it was, it was kind of interesting to see somebody that was controlling one directly. Um, actually, I got to go back and say Spinosaurus because, you know, I, I, I have a soft spot for Jurassic Park 3. I haven't watched it in years, and it's probably not going to hold up as well as I thought when I was, you know, 10, 11 watching it. But the Spinosaurus was what really drew me in and basically like outdid the T-Rex for me in a lot of ways back in the day. So to see again, Spinosaurus and then think the thing getting controlled is like, Oh man, this thing is going to do damage. It basically took out the T-Rex. Like that thing is nasty. So I got to give it to that. I, I appreciated the ambition behind bringing the Spino back. And I'm glad it didn't have the, ringing satellite phone as its, like, intro <laughs> music. There, there was a time where I was really into ringtones, and that was one of my ringtones that I had for certain family members because I thought they were pieces of... Uh, uh, okay, moving on. Um... <laughs> Mondo, it's to you. Pieces of doo doo, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, pretty much. Mondo, it is to you, sir. Was there a favorite dinosaur you had? Oh yeah, Bumpy all the way. Um, and I know we've seen him in previous like seasons. Obviously, like he was a main character forever. Uh, but that moment, like him reuniting, him coming back, and it, but it wasn't even just about Bumpy. Like it was about how like. I felt like everything changed when he came back. Like, it changed for Ben, uh, which changed back for the group. Uh, it changed for so many things, and I just thought that was so awesome to see Bumpy back. And, I mean, look, I think we all knew, like, at some point, Bumpy would be back. <laughs> um, but it was just, I don't know, it was awesome. And I, I just love the resolve of Bumpy, too. Like... You know, and what, what Bumpy stands for. You know, Bumpy was this asymmetrical, you know, almost disregarded dinosaur. You know, if when you go back to 
you go back to the first season, like he was kind of the, or she, not he, but she was like, oh, she's asymmetrical. We don't know. She probably won't amount to much. Yada, yada. She's imperfect. But she's always like, she's always finds a way to, to, to be there, especially for Ben. So I thought it was awesome. Yay, Bumpy. I want to name my daughter Bumpy. I, I think you could maybe name your dog or your cat, but I don't know if daughter would be very doable. I'll be I'll be lucky if um, if I get to name my kid Leia or something like Bumpy is just totally out of the equation. But I do have a friend. <clears throat> excuse me. Their last name is um, Walker, and they had uh, a little girl whose middle name is Sky. So their their kid's name is like Jessica Sky Walker. Oh, like the Star Wars. Like the Star Wars, yes. Skywalker. Like them, their Star Wars. <laughs> hey, he's back. <laughs> you, 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 you gave up the Ben signal. You said Star Wars. And he was like, well, I got to be back. I got I to gotta yeah. get on. Yeah, I said the magic Dude, I'm, word. I'm, I'm I, clapped, I, I clapped my hands three times and he showed up. Yeah. yeah uh, you clap your hands you're... three times. You snap your fingers twice. You say Star Wars um, three times in the mirror and I appear. Yeah, pretty much. Your timing's really good though, because we were we're on the the subject of favorite dinosaur from this season, and uh, it was actually about to come to you. So, do you have like a dino that stood out to you in this season? Uh, uh, first of all, sorry for my audio quality. My just mic is just not working for some reason. Um, so this will have to do. But uh, a favorite dino? Oh man, I think I'm gonna have to go back to Firecracker, man. That thing is freaking adorable, um, and love that 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 he she came back. They came back and uh, uh, were uh, were definitely a pain in the butt. <laughs> Did not help at all. But uh, man, like just freaking adorable. I, I love the assortment of of dinos. Um, close second would be the spino. Like loved seeing the spino just in action and a lot more dino action a lot a lot more spino action in there and just you know that 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 you know i was sorely disappointed that we didn't get any spinosaurus in any of the three jurassic world movies so to get to get some really good action get a get a good t-rex rematch which felt kind of like a a response to jurassic Jurassic Park three a little bit to me of uh, you know them them the Spino succeeding and then the next episode uh, the T Rexes are are victorious I, I like that a little bit. Well, speaking of uh, of T Rexes, um, I'm going to go with a bit of a dark horse for Ooh. for for my favorite. Um, obviously, Bumpy's kind of a given. We always enjoy seeing. Um, the bumper car, but I think one of my favorites in these in these final two seasons, but season five um, in particular, I enjoyed the T Rex Big Edie. 
there there was there was something about her character and her relationship to little Edie that almost um made dinosaurs and t-rexes feel a little bit more relatable and it's the it's the parental element it's it's being able to to see the the bond that she has with little Edie. It's being able to see the the links and the measures that she's willing to go to in order to protect her family. And and um, there's certain elements where Darius is trying to communicate. And the creature he's communicating with or trying to communicate with is Big Edie. So as far as the breakthroughs in like communication technology goes and things like that, um, Big Edie is is kind of part of that breakthrough that helps um, move the storyline forward while also advancing the technology. And um, yeah, I think I think Big Edie is uh, probably my favorite from from this season, but Bumpy would probably be a close second if I'm being honest. Oh man. We are we are nearing the end, guys. I promise. I know I told you I wouldn't keep you longer than just a couple of hours. And so if you want to, we can briefly touch on like our favorite character from this season. Doesn't necessarily have to be um, a new character. But uh, once we get through that question, we'll get to the epilogue and we'll try to call it a night. So, um, Stephen, favorite character from this season? Um. I'm going to give a cop-out answer and say it's just all of the Nublar six, you know, that they are our main heroes, big heroes, and there's six of them, so you might as well call them a big hero six as well. The big hero six. I saw you leading up to that, but I didn't want to steal your punchline, but I saw that <laughs> I saw that coming, and I was like, oh my god, he's going there, and he went there. Yeah, no, but yeah, I love how at the end they refer to them as the Nublar Six. It has a nice ring to it. It really does. Like, I I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, but honestly, I wouldn't hate uh, a show that's called the Nublar Six because it, it encapsulates who they are and who they were without, like, confining them to an island like this show kind of did, like Camp Cretaceous, you're... You're you're the the group of campers that were on the island, and now you're stuck on the island. Like the name itself was kind of self-containing, but a name like the Nublar Six, it kind of opens doors a little bit. Yeah, I will also say, um, I guess we haven't talked about this much, but when Dodgson showed up, my first thought was, oh, they modeled it after the actor who played Peter Parker's dad in Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Slash, who was also in Royal Pains, a show I watched when it was on the air some years ago. Um, but yeah, like seeing him and then looking it up and then realizing the Dominion connection. Because I don't remember if I knew that it was Campbell Scott taking over that role for the movie. And if I did, maybe I forgot and then remembered again watching the show. But uh, the way they modeled him, it like really looks like him. So uh, good on them there, even if... Dominion is like really low on my rankings, honestly. I, I appreciated the the fact that they didn't make him like the head man of the uh, of the company yet. I think he was still kind of upper management of source, but he wasn't like the head head of Biosyn yet. Um, 
that was that was clever to show that yeah this is who he is and he's still kind of climbing up through the ranks but he's not he's not quite there yet but you could definitely see um where he was going and where he could end up so we we didn't really touch on Dodson a whole whole lot other than Mondo mentioning the can um but if there was ever some sort of a tie in to Dominion that feels somewhat logical at least so I didn't hate it. Um, Chris, I I believe you're up. Favorite character from this season? Yeah, I mean, I got to go with Darius. I mean, he was the first POV character we really got introduced to, and pretty much like the main character, if you want to give any character that title, if you will. Um, Yeah, I think he's going through a lot, and just the relationships he has with all the different characters seeing him grow, seeing the action. I think uh, I think he had a really nice fitting fitting in, especially with the brother that gets involved there. That that was something that got teased at the end or at some point in the prior season. So that that was pretty cool. I liked I like where he went in this. I like that he got a little more screen time, a little more airtime in this season um just because the show was originally centered around him back in season one we were watching everything from his pov like you said and we didn't necessarily return to that but we did get a little more time allotted to him which i respected um mondo favorite character from this season so i can't believe how unpopular this is going to be um (laughs) The din- the dinosaur that ate cash. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go with Kenji's dad. Um, wow. and, I, and, I, and I say that because, yeah, you know, we have the kids and we have that. And from the hero perspective, yeah, awesome. But I feel like the element that Kenji's dad brings is awesome. And... You know, I, I feel like it sets up so much of the story that we got. I mean, it sets up all the story that we got, really. But it, it sets up so much of that. And it it's a catalyst for Kenji's further growth, which I thought was really cool, which is also a catalyst for the growth of the team, the group a little bit, the new Blur 6. Um, so, and... If I'm if I'm being kind of honest, like you know, we we talked about Cash, right, and how Cash just didn't really seem like a villain. To me, Kenji's dad feels like the epitome of a Jurassic villain. Um, because the way he's manipulative, the way he, I mean, he's using his own son, you know, like. I just, I just feel like that's awesome. I mean, not awesome. It's this is bad. Don't if you're listening and you have a son, don't do that. Um, but I just felt like that was cool. Like I, I really enjoyed that. Hmm. I'm, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a few thoughts of my own when it's my turn. But it's, it's, it's Ben's turn first. So, um, Ben, your, your thoughts on uh, favorite character in season five. Oh, ooh, yeah, there's a lot of good ones. Um, 
tempted to say cash just to piss everyone off. Um, I think I'm gonna have to. I think I'm gonna have to agree with. Actually, I'll sidestep this. I will say that yes, Cash is uh, not Cash and Dad. Uh, Kenji's dad was great. I will say Kenji. I will say Kenji himself. I think was was probably my the fit my favorite and the most interesting character of the whole season, um, just because of his his character arc and and the fact that I think as much as there was a few moments there, I'm like, okay, Kenji, are you really doing this? There's a couple moments that felt out of character, but for the most part. I feel like it was very relatable that, you know, yes, of course, family is your blind spot. You know, of course, he's going to side with his dad, despite everything that, you know, he 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 knew better. He knew better, but he still believed so much in his dad that he did everything that he did. And, you know, yeah, it was it was pretty convenient and pretty quick that everyone kind of forgave him so quickly near the end. But I think it was still satisfying and still it was it was a nice change of pace to separate him from the group, bring in his dad, make make it all the more interesting for him as a character, because sometimes he hasn't had a whole lot to do um, in in certain seasons. And, you know, continuing that into this and giving him a proper kind of send off in regards to, you know, it's 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 hard. You know, he, he went, went through a lot and matured a lot, I think, in this season. Um, and owned up to what he did. So I think he was a vastly more entertaining, entertaining and more interesting character this season. I think he's probably one of my favorite parts of it. Well, I guess I don't need a segment because you pretty much said everything I was going to say. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no. Okay. He, I mean, look, after like eight or nine years of podcasting, I guess we really are on the same wavelength, don't we? There are times that we really are, my friend. I, Kenji was my favorite character as well for pretty much all the reasons that you said, um, particularly about family being a blind spot. Like, there were so many times in this season that I would put myself in Kenji's shoes and I'd be thinking, what if my dad was asking me to do these things? What if my dad or, or a relative of mine? was involved in some kind of, you know, shady dealings goings on. Would I try to join them and maybe help try to pull them out? Would I get swept up in everything going on that I ended up joining them, even if it cost me my friendships and relationships? Like, it's it's very relatable. And for the first time in a while, Kenji is a relatable character. And it was it was interesting to see how he played off of his dad and interesting to see how he learn from his mistakes and how long it took him to learn from his mistakes and the, the the repercussions of his friendships and people having trust issues with him and having to earn that trust back there were a lot of things about kenji's character that that he needed for growth and he definitely grew in this season and then mondo to your point it really only happens because his dad is stretching him and pushing him to areas that can be uncomfortable that can be weird that can that can feel off and you know you still have to decide am i siding with family or am i not siding with family that's basically what it came down to and kenji chose family almost until the very end and then finally learned his lesson like almost too late but not quite and i've got a lot of respect for that i i, I respect those decisions that they made as far as the storytelling goes i respect the 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 character arc and the redemption involved um but none of that is possible without kenji's dad if it was literally anybody else trying to like 
tempt him and coerce him and manipulate him and stuff like that, I don't think it would work. I think that direct parent to child relationship is the thing that drives Kenji's growth. And so without his dad being the big bad, I don't think we get the character arc that we get from him in season five. Okay, really? Really? There's, yeah. a, there's a ton of us on this show and nobody can say anything? Come on, guys, are we that tired? Oh, I was muted, I'm sorry. Okay, so I, I pulled a you. Okay, not the not the sucking at multitasking thing, not that. But like, I didn't know if you were actually done, and you had such like a prolific answer going. I didn't want to jump in and be like, "Yay!" You know, like it ruined the whole. <laughs> you know, thing. in some like, parts of the world, silence is the biggest compliment. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm just gonna go with that. Yeah, but not in podcasting. It's a, it's a talk show, and nobody's talking. Damn it! <laughs> I thought you were pausing for dramatic effect before. Uh, I don't know, like transitioning us into whatever the next thing is. Also, it's pushing midnight in at least one of our time zones. There's a there's a strong possibility, well, at least one, if not all of us, are asleep. Um, let's just explore that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Well, before we do the epilogue, then let's go ahead and say hello to a couple of our of our patrons and say uh, thank you to them for their support, and then we'll we'll close up the show. Um, those people that deserve thanks in particular include Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett. Um, they are both at the shout out friend tier or above. And if you want exclusive access, behind the scenes info, uh, influence on the show and more, then uh, hit us up on our social pages on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, places like that, and find us at IPC Podcast. We'll get you all of the links that you need involved in that. Um, we're actually going to be adjusting the Patreon now that we're kind of more of a monthly program. We don't want to be, you know, asking people to pay for the stuff that they've been doing for weekly and bi-weekly shows. And we're only moving it to once a month now. So the Patreon's going to be adjusted just a little bit. Um, so hit us up on the socials and try to make sure that we've actually made those adjustments before you sign up. But benefits can include getting access to the show notes in advance. There's a special patrons-only Facebook group that uh, admittedly has not been as active as I would like it to be, but we're going to pick that back up. Um, if we do a top five segment, we're not going to be able to do one on the show tonight, but we usually do them on our variety-style episodes. Um, you get top billing on our top five segments, which means anytime there's a top five, you are guaranteed to have your top five read on the show. And then, much like you hear from the variety of voices tonight, not all of these guys are financial contributors, but if you are a financial contributor, then we try to find opportunities to get you on the actual show as well. If we can manage, you know, what is this, five voices? We can definitely have a third voice on every now and then. So be sure to find us on those different places and uh, keep up with all the goings on in between episodes. Um, we also want to make mention of Question Possible Answer, which is our friend Jesse's podcast that he has just gotten a new logo for. And he says, over at Question Possible Answer, we review movies while also trying to incorporate real-world physics into the movie to see how much the story would change. Sometimes it's as simple as, what if this person wasn't in the movie? And for information, you can check out the socials over on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Question Possible Answer. Um, Guys, how many of us have been on Question Possible Answer? I want to say, like, almost all of us at some point or another, right? I'm raising I, my hand. Yeah, I think maybe only one of us hasn't. And I, didn't know, I didn't know it existed until 30 seconds ago. <laughs> okay, yeah, so, so I'm right then, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, most of us, most of us on this on this show have have participated in it before, and uh, it's a lot of fun because um, he'll yeah, he'll Jesse's ask, like at, Jesse's like instantly changing the names. Like, damn it, Mondo found me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's probably gonna change his name too. Like, oh no, he knows who I am. He knows me now. Move. He knows. Got to now. move. Yeah, go into witness protection program. He need he needs to move anyway. He lives in Oklahoma. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, hey. I forgot. I hey. forgot that uh, that uh, that Oklahoma Texas rift goes deep. Hey, 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 Mondo! Yeah, you you want to know why our great state doesn't just sink off into the Gulf of Mexico? Because Oklahoma sucks so hard. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh man, we just lost all the Oklahoma. Yeah, <laughs> all oh. two, all two of them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, thanks to Jesse and Joey for being a part of what we do here on the show. We we could not do it without you guys. All right, let's let's dedicate some specific time to the epilogue before we uh, before we go into our final thoughts. Um, It it, it does it does a time jump, which we which we talked about briefly. Um, You see everybody kind of on like a video call, and it sounds like it's like a weekly thing, isn't it? Like they're doing it on a pretty regular basis trying to keep in touch. Do I I remember that correctly? Yes. Um, Kenji Kenji and uh, Kenji and Darius are like together. I don't know if Kenji's like living with Darius or like or whatever. They seem to be like chilling. And uh, Kenji seems to have all of his dad's money. Seems to have inherited all that because he's like keeping the island going. And then like. Ben's on the island, and yeah, so like they're all in different places, kind of, but still together. Together, and it's that whole camp fam for life mentality, which I was honestly a little skeptical about. Like, is that really going to happen? But uh, it uh, it did, and I and I appreciated that. It's like how we're all together right now, despite being apart. You know. You, you, you had to you had to go there. What's funny is there's there's a couple of y'all that I haven't even met in person, but I've done several podcasts with, which is pretty crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Wait, I've met everyone here, haven't I? I think so. Stephen, Stephen, we met at celebration, so that makes everyone. That, yeah. That, that I just I I completed the circuit. Um, Zach, you got to get out more. I'm sorry, man. I, I do. I need to go to more celebrations. I, I I still have yet to go to a Star Wars celebration. 2024. Uh, 24. Yeah, 23 is going to be out of the question. I'm going to be married and have no money. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe 24. Celebration Texas. Celebration Dallas. Come on. I mean, the Dallas Convention Center probably could hold it. It's a matter of parking and hotels. That's the issue. Celebration Oklahoma. <laughs> There's nothing to celebrate in Oklahoma. It's flat <laughs> land with a couple of lakes and a couple of casinos. You we celebrate you, the border even when you see it, and you're like, "We're out of Oklahoma." Like they call it the border because the whole time you're there, you're bored. Jesse is freaking canceling his Patreon subscription right now. <laughs> He's talked about wanting to move, and he he goes up into Kansas and other places for work and stuff. But yeah, he's he's probably going to be a little mad when he finally ends up listening to this episode. Who knows? 
if I if I had the choice, I'd rather visit Nebraska than Oklahoma. At least they've got a furniture mart up there. Wow, that's the important takeaway you've that, got. From that's a there. weird specific detail. <laughs> Nebraska furniture mart. The OC Nebraska furniture mart. I got a friend that lives up in Nebraska, and he says like one of the one of the coolest things about Nebraska is that they have a museum that is also a bridge. You had me at bridge. All it's, right, guys. Camp Cretaceous. Camp Cretaceous. Let's get back the, on track. The epilogue. Thoughts on the epilogue and the implications that it has for its ties into the Jurassic franchise. Namely, when Darius looks out the window and we recognize that we've got some tie-ins to Fallen Kingdom happening. What did what did you guys make of that? I'm tired of delegating, so somebody please speak up. So uh, I uh, like that it was a bridge. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> Uh, just so many different, th- I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just had to get that in there. Uh, but no, I liked how it was a bridge to so many things. Uh, you know, you mentioned fallen kingdom. They're talking about the mansion and the things happening with that, which was like, ah, awesome. Right. Um, and then, you know, you, you hear the rumblings of the, the dinosauruses happening, uh, outside, which is like, you know, and it's like so many cool things happening at once. Uh, and then, you know, you had mentioned the the fam, you know, camp fam for life, uh, how they were still together but apart, like this mock, you know, Moxley crew, Motley crew. I don't even know the word. Um, That's a band. It is a band. It's a cool band, too. Uh, just don't Google their drummer. Um, and... Uh, you know, it was really like it was awesome, and I liked how they had that. And you know, and it and it reinforces like obviously we know that it's connected to the films because duh, the whole first season is has almost you know shot for shot recreations of the original Jurassic World and dealing with certain parts just from a a, a differing perspective, but this. It showed the world. It showed, talked about the house. It talked about, you know, those other things. So I thought it was awesome. Yeah, for me, it's kind of like, oh, they spent all this time on this island. They they thought they finally got away from them all. And then they realized that the dinosaurs came to them. So it was kind of this ironic thing, like all that for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but at least they had a couple years or so like in between, so it's, uh, I don't feel as bad about it, I guess. Um, like it is kind of a cliche to end an animated series with a time skip, but it's still a thing that audiences love seeing, and it really works for me here, seeing that they still keep in touch and they're still really great friends. Um, and it's interesting to see how they've grown. Um, but like having the dinosaurs, you know, they're at a point where the dinosaurs are on the mainland. And th- this is something we talked about this off air in our group chat. But this is something I wanted from Dominion was for it to go more into what it's like in the day to day life, like adapting to a world that has dinosaurs. And I feel like a follow-up could have the potential to really 
delve into that. And, and I think a couple of us um, even brought up the idea of like maybe there could be like a live action anthology series a la like what what's going on with Tales of the Walking Dead where you get lots of different perspectives on this whole outbreak thing so to speak so yeah I, I love the epilogue and the possibilities it teases and that they just can't end it here so I guess it's a question of whether the uh, next show would focus primarily on the new bar six or whether we'd experience it through new characters eyes and then they sort of get like cameo or mentor capacity type of thing you know yeah i feel like i love this ending i thought it was a perfect ending for the entire show i thought again you know happy ending you know everything works out great and the teasing of like okay the events of fallen kingdom are, are happening and you know what's what we see in dominion is is what they're going to experience in the world like that's an interesting way to to end it um and not in a they didn't pick the scary option it could have been oh my god it's a t-rex out my seven window no it's a brontosaurus and you know it's more the the wondrous side of jurassic but uh i genuinely think this also could be teasing something in the future teasing something in fact i swear i can't for the life of me find the rumor or find any information on it, but I swear there was a report about another animated series in the works. Oh, um, yeah. Dan Grievous uh, sent us something. I think it's called Jurassic World Rule the Earth is the rumored title for it. Oh, okay. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe that message, that's where I heard it from is Dan. Um, which, side note, I don't know if give him a proper shout out, but uh, yeah, we miss you, Dan. Um, he couldn't be here tonight. Um, because it's it's very it's very early for him, but uh, what well, you might hear his voice um, somewhere in this episode. If you're hearing, if you're listening in the future, um, the, the the recorded version of this, you will hear him. Um, give him his, his thoughts. Um, but yeah, that 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 could be interesting. I, I imagine it won't be a direct sequel. It might involve some other characters and maybe throw in some of the the new Blar six or maybe make it a direct sequel. Just give just keep going with this. Honestly, I would. Freaking watch that. Just reassemble the Avengers, damn it. That's what's worked for us in the past. Eh, kind of. Why I why I don't think it's a direct sequel. Um and, and not to be a bubble buster. Um but How why I don't why I don't think it is, is because the report said they had begun casting. And I feel like if it were a direct signal sequel, they they're like I'm sure there would be some minor casting, but you know. The voice actors would probably be pretty um, established at that point. So I don't know if you would necessarily need casting, unless it's a live action, and they would have to cast to try to find who looks like those who voiced. Well, being that they're on the mainland now, there would be way more opportunities for a bigger supporting cast. And so you would have the principal players and you wouldn't just have like, oh, it's like three other people that are on the island. It's like, oh, they're on the mainland. You're going to be dealing with their families and their friends and, you know, a lot of different moving parts. It could be a bigger scale series than what we're used to. Well, that's we, true. That's we just need D. Bradley Baker and Stephen Stanton. That's like 20 people right there. <laughs> yes, exactly. And get James Arnold Taylor back. He was in the first season, I think. Mean. Oh, was he? 
Yeah, he was the he was Eddie. He was Eddie, the guy that got like immediately killed. I guess I didn't know that. That's interesting. I wish I'd had the chance to talk to him about that when I met him. <laughs> got his autograph and everything. He even greeted me with a hello there. And oh, classic. It was it was awesome. And if I've seen him this, since I've seen him, I think it's been I think the last time I saw J.A.T. was in 2015. I think. He hasn't grown, if that's what you're wondering. He hasn't changed. Maybe his maybe his facial hair has changed, but that's about it. Maybe, maybe, but that's probably about it. Okay, uh, back to the epilogue. Um, who found it satisfying, and did anybody find it not satisfying? No, I found it satisfying. <laughs> I love how we we all go from quiet to like all answering at the same time. Um, yeah, it was satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> It was. I, I found it very satisfying. And, you know, somebody mentioned that, hey, you know, it's kind of a cliche for these time jumps. And I agree. And if if it wouldn't have tied to the story in which it was tying to, I probably would have been like, ugh. But considering the circumstance of this particular time jump and what they were aligning it to, um, I thought it was awesome and very well done. Well, what was yeah, interesting what if... is, sorry, Chris, I, I'm very quickly, I liked how the the show itself tied into the prologue on the island and then also tied into the end of the movie in Fallen Kingdom. Like, it's a, it's a double connection all wrapped up into that one show. Yeah, I, I would have been a little bit disappointed if they didn't have the epilogue because... I, I was actually expecting more of like an entire episode to wrap up, like basically all their journeys were. I think it was mainly like a 10 minute thing, like maybe five minutes with them, like going to the mainland and then another five minutes with the epilogue. So it it is always satisfying to see an epilogue of that magnitude where you're getting to see where they ultimately end up. Um, Rather than, okay, we just left the island. Okay, they're established where they are now, living their everyday lives. What, what is a glimpse of that of that look like, since we're so used to seeing them away from their home, basically the whole time? It, it was worrying watching the episode and getting to kind of the last few minutes of them being on the island, of uh, even before they had chased his father off the island. And I'm looking at it like, there's 11 minutes left. They have a lot to do in 11 minutes. And uh, they did. I mean, I, I I felt like that last scene kind of really felt a lot longer than it was, weirdly. So I, I didn't, it didn't feel rushed or anything like that. It felt like it, exactly what it needed to be, even though I could have, I would very much taken a, a whole episode of that um, in a heartbeat, but I think it was enough. Yeah, when I, when I think of epilogue, um, I guess in, in the context of a movie, that's about how long of an epilogue I would want it to be, like under 10 minutes. Um, but in the context of a television show, I feel like they have the flexibility for the epilogues to be longer, and they didn't do that. So I guess to me it felt like a little bit of a wasted opportunity. It's like, you know, you, you're already in the studio, you're already working on stuff. Like, why would you half-ass it and only do five or six minutes when you could do another 10 or 15 of it? And just put it into another episode. Um, so I, I guess maybe I just didn't want the show to end. 
but I feel like I kind of wanted a little bit more from the epilogue and didn't get quite as much as I was hoping for. The stuff that we got was was decent. It, it was good and it, it gave us closure. But I guess maybe selfishly, I just wanted a little more than that. Um. Also, side note, I'm sorry, I'm going to derail this over like five seconds and, and say that my mind is just now blown the fact that I realized that Jenna Ortega plays Brooklyn and she's also playing Wednesday Adams in the new show Wednesday. And that's like oh wow the, the the amount of range that takes to play Brooklyn and Wednesday. Oh my, my god. gosh, that's crazy. Oh yeah, someone today. Someone else mentioned that they realized where else they'd seen her uh, apart from the Wednesday trailer. I'm trying to remember what it. Was. It was the Scream franchise, I think. Oh yeah, and Scream. Really? Yeah, Scream Five. Yeah. She's she's one of the supporting characters in the Scream franchise, I believe. Yeah, everybody yeah. everybody gives attention to Courtney Cox. Nobody gives attention to Jenna Ortega. But yeah, she's uh, she's working her way through the ranks. If she's in that franchise, and now she's got a, a titular role, and she's got voice acting experience, she's uh, she's making her way up in the in the ranks of Hollywood, which is cool. Good for her. And she could very easily play uh, Brooklyn in live action. Just saying. I mean, if she's got that much range, but man, it would be such a contrast from the dark and macabre Wednesday to pink hair. You know what I mean? Like that—that's such. There's such actually a there's a vi- there's a video. It's like a behind the scenes video, and she has like a pink wig on. You're like, okay, I can see it. I can see it. I need to find that video. Because I can't. I, I will, I'm gonna drop it in the group chat right now. You I I, I can't. I can't see it. So, um, but I'll see it eventually. Okay. Um, we're coming into the home stretch. Final thoughts on the season, and final thoughts overall. We're gonna do like not just our season rating, but we're gonna do our show rating to close out the night as well. Steven, I remembered at the top of the show, you had mentioned that season five got a 8.0 from you. Yeah. Um, what would you give Camp Cretaceous overall as a series? Yeah, so I tried thinking back to what I gave the other seasons and the average, but I think I bump it slightly above what the average total would be having experienced the whole thing. And just to put it into perspective, um, I actually rewatched the first three Jurassic Park movies yesterday. And some people may remember that for years I was saying, oh, Jurassic Park is just okay. Like I watched the first movie, uh, the last time I watched it was in 2016 and it didn't do much for me then. But upon rewatching yesterday, I I was actually captured by the wonder of it like better now than back then i don't know why but yeah like the first jurassic park movie climbed to an eight out of ten for me um i don't really have a high opinion of any of the sequels really i i'll just leave that at that but point being that camp cretaceous I, I would still put above like any of the movies so like ever so slightly above the first jurassic park movie so I think overall I'd give Camp Cretaceous an 8.25 out of 10. It's I just loved being on this journey with these 
characters who were relatable at points and seeing how their friendship grew. And it was just, it, in the end, it's a feel good show, you know? So I, I really appreciate it for um, various reasons. 8.25. So like is Jurassic Park at an eight or something? Is that where you've got it? You're just going yeah. slightly above it? Yeah. Like a quarter of a point, a fraction of a point, but still higher rated than the 93 classic that this thing is based off of. That's really interesting. Yeah, just so much time spent with these characters and I enjoyed the time, like seeing well, them go through these challenges. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense because you're experiencing 49 episodes, I think I read somewhere, 49 episodes uh, with these kids over the course of a couple of years as opposed to just one movie, so... I, I get it, but I still think the original is a classic and is like untouchable, but that's just me. Um, Chris, your final thoughts on season five and your rating out of 10 for the entire show as well. Yeah, so season five, it, it did rush the ending a little bit, as you just put it, Zach. Um, again, series that yeah, I would expect more of a closure than simply six minutes worth, but um, rather than that, I think that it did get back to more of form with dinosaurs, whether or not they were utilized in a way that I thought would be up my alley, which it wasn't. Um, but, you know, the characters, the interactions, which is what, at, you know, at its entire point, that's what the show is really pushing is is everything with the character development, the character interaction, seeing how everybody is maturing you, you see from the beginning of season one to the oh, i guess i'm going too far with uh, just talking about season five uh i would give it probably a 7.5 i would give it a 7.5 i liked it it was good but certain certain aspects with the motion control dinosaurs uh the the brads luckily we got rid of the weaker villain um but then the connection to dominion and stuff definitely helped it um buff up my score a little bit so a little bit more a little bit more than four but like uh so i forget who said it in, in the chat it was a little bit more of middle of the road uh season five and then overall i like the entire scope of the series from being a prologue to jurassic world being an absolute like closure on everything uh as far as getting to Fallen Kingdom and really seeing the characters start somewhere and get a lot of development because these are kids we're dealing with mm -hmm. and they're not just dealing with the everyday factors of life uh, growing up as young teens. Now they're dealing with survival and just the animation itself was incredible. You could see, as you guys mentioned, how over time they would actually improve the water effects looks incredible. Uh, seeing just the camera angles, them getting inventive. Uh, I, I don't know the technical terms for a lot of these these things, but I can explain. Like just the depth of field, I think was really groundbreaking for animation. The hair looked incredible. That's some of the best hair. You know, I play a lot of video games, and, and you know they still can't get hair right. But I feel like this show actually got the strands of hair looking pretty good on these characters. I got to give them that. Uh, yeah. So, so overall animation, the way it looked, environments were great. I would give the show overall an eight out of 10. Eight out of 10 out of 
overall from the Star Raptor. <clears throat> All righty. Uh, Mondo, you are up. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Um, you know, I'm really intrigued about what everybody's responses and, uh, you know, I and, and I say that because I, I feel like to a point we all enjoyed certain aspects. We all took different things away from it, but I feel like we all share a lot of the same sentiments about it. You know, this show touched on many, many things and, 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 and I'll start with my season five, you know, end and, and I feel like the final season did a really good job of expanding on some of those expanding on, you know, the relationship that, that the, the new Blar six had created um, through peril. And the cool thing about it is, you know, and it's a little cliche, but they're, they're a group of people that never would have hung out outside of that. You know, they all live different lives, different styles, different things. And, and through the, this life altering sort of, experience it brought them together and that was even something that i think had been brought up in one of the one of the episodes and one of the struggles uh emotionally that they were having was if we weren't here together doing this would we still be friends like would you know um and so i would give season five an eight uh, I think season five had a lot of great moments, had a lot of great things. Uh, it did have a couple of things that you were like, what in tarnation? But again, demographic. And and, and you, you have to sometimes remember and ground yourself that this wasn't written for me. This wasn't made for me. I just happened to enjoy it. What does that say about me? Um, but it... The, the things that this show did so so awesomely was it was talked about with mental health. And in, in, in season four, you know, it talked about the struggles that they were having, about the nightmares and the, rec, the, the recollections of the events that they had had and living with those and carrying those. Um, that's pretty deep stuff for a show to touch on, especially a show geared toward children. And I think that that was a really cool that they that they brought that up and that they had those moments. And, you know, I think that the time that we got to spend with these six characters uh, was awesome. You know, we may not have always agreed with the way that the story flowed or the story went or some of the individual story elements, but I think we all enjoyed our time with these six characters. And I think that that was really well done and it was really well written. Um, you know, in all of our talking, I mentioned that there were certain certain aspects some of us liked and some of us didn't, but we all kind of shared kind of a thing. And I don't necessarily think maybe aside from Zach, you had mentioned you didn't think that uh, Brooklyn and Kenji should have wound up together, that it should have been her and Darius. But I think aside from that little aspect, I don't think we ever really had much beef or much complaint about the way that the that the characters were written. True. Most of 
most of our complaints were about the story elements. So I think that says a lot about this particular show and this particular adventure that we have spent the last two years on uh, together. And with that being said, you know, I loved the I loved the way that it kind of was woven into the stories and the events of the Jurassic World franchise and how it was an adaption of that and how it was uh, an extension of that, I guess would be a better term. And, you know, I, I love how it potentially brought a younger audience into the Jurassic World uh, fan base. And it was kind of an olive branch to them. Um, not to say that they wouldn't love it. I'll tell you, my niece, I, I think she wore out two different copies of the Jurassic World Blu-ray. Uh, when it first came out, she could not get enough of that movie. And it was the wonder and it was the the oh, my gosh, you know, so. Uh, I, I feel like to kind of bridge that gap further, it was awesome to 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 help solidify the younger generation of the franchise, which is going to make it healthier. Uh, so I would say overall, though, I, I would give I would give the series an eight point five. You know, I, I think that, like I said, there are some story elements, some plot elements that were a little questionable. Um, again, you have to remember, it wasn't written for me, but uh, at the end of the day, I was very satisfied. I'm very sad that it's over and that it has ended. Uh but I'm glad to say that I was a part of it. You were a part of it. You make it sound like you were on the show. Well, yeah, I mean, like a part of the adventure and the ride and <laughs> and 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 watching them as they came out. And and, you know, and I think part of it is I, I don't I don't think it gets talked about enough the way you consume your media. You know, I remember when this this, when I remember season one, you had watched it before me, and you were like, "Dude, you know, watch this. I've only watched the first couple episodes, but it ties in directly to that." And I think I, I think I watched the first episode with you at your place one night. Um, I have, and and I think we only watched like the first episode or two because um, it was pushing like eleven forty-five or twelve fifteen in the morning. And I had to drive all the way back to BFL, um, Bum Louisville. And uh, I uh, I remember I got home and I couldn't stop watching it. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Um, I also remember <laughs> um, I, one of the scenes with the T-Rex, uh, Little Fig almost pulled my curtain down because he ran behind it because he got scared. That was cute. But... I couldn't stop watching. And then from there, we started watching them together and we started uh, experiencing them together. And and I feel like that added to it. And then we had these discussions about them and it just. I, I feel like that adds to the overall experience of the journey, um, experiencing it with with you guys. Oh, there's a cat right there. Hi, cat. 
Um, I just smacked her in the face because um, I'm waving my hands around like you can see what I'm doing. But yeah, I hope that I hope that I know that was a long kind of thing, but I I, I felt like it needed to be said um, that experiencing this with with the likes of you guys, I, I feel enhanced it a lot. Even though we always didn't see eye to eye with the story plots and the elements and the way that the story was being told, um, it was still a fun experience. Yes, it was. It very much was. And I think that's, even if we had particular seasons that we enjoyed more than another, I think it's pretty safe to say that we all kind of enjoyed the ride and where it ended up, which is always a positive thing, especially for a show that has pumped out like five seasons in two years. Um, that's a pretty big undertaking, and, and that's a that's a lot of, of content in a short amount of time. And to, to all of us arrive at a very similar place is uh, is pretty encouraging. Uh, ben, what about you? Season five thoughts and thoughts on the show as a whole. Um, uh, I think I will give season five. I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. I really did enjoy this season. Um, uh, Brad, Brad X's and all. Um, that was probably the low point of the whole season. Um, is a little bit of what he got those. Um, you know, yeah, was it perfect? I don't think so. Um, but I think overall, I really did. You know, I, I liked where it ended. Obviously, I think that's that's a huge, you know, two thumbs up for me. Is is it ended well and it, and it gave me what I wanted, but also the the ride of it and the ups and downs of you know the team getting split up and Kenji's drama and the romances that that flourish there and you know the the team ups there and you know and going back to what Mondo said about like you know them all ending up together that's what starts the 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 fourth season is them going oh we're never going to see each other again and then you know the ending is the exact opposite of that i like that a lot um and just you know where they where they take the characters i think was really fun the series overall I really enjoyed it. It was a fun ride. It was really something that I think is one of the better drastic things we've gotten. Um, and I'm not one that hates any of the movies, really. I I kind of love them all in a weird way for different reasons, uh, warts and all. Um, but Camp Cretaceous ended up being this really fun little side thing that ended up being kind of a gem, a, a gem in the rough, if you will in regards to, you know, kind of expanding this universe and giving us something that we've really never gotten before. Um, and, you know, it, it, you know, like, I obviously love Star Wars animation, but getting into fran animation from other franchises is something that I generally don't do. But I'm so glad that I watched Camp Cretaceous. I'm so glad that we got to go on this journey because it would really has been I have a lot of fun, very emotional at times, and and just, you know, a great exploration of some great characters, which, you know, yeah, I had my doubts early on, but I think the way they played out, and yes, it's a show generally made for kids. Yes, that's obvious, but I think they did enough as an adult to keep me engaged and go like, it's not talking down to me. And it's not talking down to kids. I think kids are going to have a great time with this show. And I think a lot of adults are going to get something out of it. I think any show that can kind of ride that line and, and please everyone, I think, is 
a winner in my book. So you gave season five a nine. Did you give the show overall a rating? I did not. Um, I think I'll give the show overall about a 8.5. Seems to be the trend for most part. We got an 8.5, 8.5, an 8, and an 8.25. So it's all kind of hovering around that area. And honestly, I think I'll probably end up giving this season uh, around an 8 as well. There's a, there's a couple of 8s in there. Steven with an 8, Mondo an 8, Zach with an 8. Um I liked this season. There were some things that I wish they had done differently or done better, but um, I really liked the the dynamic between Kenji and his dad. I really liked the the team members having trust issues. I liked the the rescue op. Uh, I liked the the big fight towards the end of the season. Um, there's very little that I would like pull apart and nitpick, and we really don't have time for me to go into those nitpicks anyways, but. Overall, it was a solid season, and it brought about a satisfying conclusion. And there's not a whole lot of shows where I can be, like, truly that satisfied. And for me to say that I was satisfied with this show is a, is a pretty big deal in my book. So uh, I appreciate how satisfying it was, and I, and I appreciate um, everything that it tried to do, even if it was... Um, if it did miss the mark on a couple of places, but overall it's, it's a very fun show. Uh, I particularly enjoyed seasons one and three, probably the most, but season five was, was very good as well. Um, and as a whole, uh, you know, I'm probably gonna, gonna stick with, with the, with the crowd majority here and I'm, I'm going to give it an 8.5 as well. Um, I, there's, there's a few parts of me oh, that really, no, one of us. There's a part of me that wants to give it a nine, like truly, but there's there's just something intangible holding me back right now. And and I still think an 8.5 is a very strong showing, especially um, considering all the different stories that they tried to tell and, and getting it done in just two years. I mean, it's it's a big undertaking. And for them to have hit the mark more often than they missed the mark is is pretty impressive. And so. Um, I appreciate all the effort that they went to. It's a good show. It's really good, yeah. So that's kind of the general consensus from our panelists. Like, aside from an 8 here and an 8.25 there, the show is pretty much somewhere between an 8 and 9. It's for the, for up, the most part. it's good. It's, it's a good show, and is it worth the watch? I think everybody on this episode tonight would say, yes, it absolutely is. So if you haven't, uh, I don't know what the hell you've been doing listening to us for the wait, last wait, wait, wait. two and a put, half hours. Don't put words in my mouth. Don't don't start putting words in my mouth like I would say that it's a good watch, but I would actually say that. Okay. <laughs> 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 it's it's getting late and we're getting punchy, so I'm I'm not going to to make this segment too terribly long because I know that it's it's really really late out on the East Coast. And Chris, I appreciate you sticking with us as long as you have. Um, this element is one that we do on every show, though, and, and we're going to stitch in the music later. But Barbecue Watch, it takes on a very different meaning for me now because of the way that one person in this chat, one Steven Schinder, has been keeping our IPC group pretty much alive <laughs> by, by sharing barbecue content from a page called Barbecue Thirst. And sometimes... 
Sometimes it's just like a big old pile of brisket. And then sometimes it's a sandwich. The other day there were these ginormous ribs that looked like they came straight off of a dinosaur. Like, Stephen, how did you come across this page? And what's what's prompted you to, to keep sharing in the group as much as you have been? I mean, honestly, it probably showed up in my feed because Facebook knows that I share food posts. And some of them are weird combinations that don't always seem very popular with people, but it's still really funny to see the reactions. Like Oreos but, with toothpaste? Yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, the, the stuff that was on Barbecue Thirst just looked so good. That's like, okay, yeah, I might as well follow this, especially since uh, Barbecue Watch is a thing with uh, IPC. And so whenever I come across that, I like share to that group uh sometimes i change up the hashtag just for the lols like watchers of barbecue or something um i thought, I thought always you spelled it out you spelled it out earlier. anytime yeah. anytime <laughs> uh, steven you have us ruined because like anytime i see a post from you i and especially the food post i'm like looking for the gimmick i'm looking like okay how is this ruined <laughs> How is this like disgusting? And then then I look yeah, at no, it. Like, Wait, this is actually delicious. <laughs> How is this from Steven Schinder? It's actually something that I would eat instead of something that would make me throw up. <laughs> I I for one really appreciate it because I I don't eat as much barbecue these days as I would like to, and usually I go to like one or two places. And it's serving as a reminder to me that I need to get out there and and have it um, a little bit more often. Chris, if you're if you're still with us, I believe you actually had a pretty good barbecue encounter not too long ago, did you not? Yes, I did. Um, in New Jersey here, um, I heard about this place called More Than Q, and it was a little bit a little bit north of me. But then there's a place that's like I found out it's literally part of I wouldn't call it a chain, but there's like apparently like three of them in the central jersey area um mm. so i'd gone there and I, I i tried a um what's it called um j just a couple things I, I tried you know just the beans they had there i had the cornbread and the um gosh it's getting late so i'm like losing my train of thought here <laughs> uh oh! Didn't mean to put you on the spot like that, but I, no, I just, no like I I I remembered it came back to me. I was like, oh shoot, there's somebody else on this who's who's been having good barbecue lately. Yeah, but I, there was coleslaw on top of what is something that Ben normally gets with with it's oh, a roll. pork sandwich, uh, whole pork sandwich. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that that's that's exactly. So yeah, that was the the one interesting thing about it is there's like coleslaw and like cucumbers on top of the the pulled pork sandwich and i thought wow. it actually it actually went pretty well together i gotta say but um i will say that you know barbecue is getting more and more expensive at least in my neck of the woods because yeah. i will say it was it was 27 bucks cornbread <laughs> and pulled pork granted i saved the i saved the beans for the next day at least half of the container um but yeah i was like oh wow this is not something i'm going to be having often <laughs> yeah that's that's a that's a bit steep because usually this the pulled pork sandwiches around my neck of the woods probably go for about what ben 10 11 bucks maybe yeah somewhere around there 
It depends on yeah. the, the the place and and how much the portions are and things like that. But to have to have that as your as your as your subtotal, that is a little steep. Um, yeah, that was fourteen for the sandwich. I think seven for the beans and another couple dollars for the cornbread, which I found interesting because when I went to Mission Barbecue, they include like the cornbread, and you can get two different kind of meats for like still under five bucks of what I pay. It's like way more food um, from what I paid. I was like, okay, I don't know if that's because maybe Mission Barbecue has a better supply chain since they're more, you know, nationwide versus like a right two, three, you know, dad and pop or mom and pop kind of store right. uh, nearby. But I, I mean, I wasn't blown away by the pork. I feel like the flavor wasn't that great. But then it, call, it could have also been masked by all the other stuff that was piled on top of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I couldn't have gotten yeah, like a completely accurate like taste test of it all. But, you know, I would try maybe a different thing on the menu next time. But I, at least I wanted to try because I did hear that people put coleslaw on top of uh, pulled pork sandwiches. So, yeah, that's a pretty pretty common thing, at least in like the South or especially at the Carolinas. Yeah, I've I've heard that the Carolinas do it a lot. The first place I ever experienced it, believe it or not, was when I was on vacation in San Diego. Um, I got a pulled pork mm. sandwich from a from a barbecue pop up place at a San Diego Padres baseball game. Um, but I I love fusing different food combos like that, like. Uh, I had like a sampler platter at the restaurant I went to today because I like having that variety, getting a little bit of everything in there. And so to to incorporate all of that into one plate, that sounds awesome. And now here now here it is super late at night and you guys are making me hungry. Thanks again. You know what I like to put coleslaw on top of? Tell me. My trash can. Oh, boy. Oh, man. And with that, it's time to say our good nights, folks. <laughs> the raccoons in Mondo's neighborhood are eating good. Mm, no, 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 they're not. <laughs> that's why it's in there. <laughs> uh, Steven, thanks for, for hanging out with us tonight. What can the folks do to keep up with your your shenaniganisms when you're not on something like IPC? <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, people can follow me at Stephen Schinder on Instagram and Twitter, Stephen Schinder Storytelling on Facebook. Uh, you can follow me on Goodreads if you want. Sometimes I rate and review books and comics there. Um, you can follow um, my podcast, Delayed Replay, where we improvise uh, recaps and reviews of movies that got delayed. So we come up with stuff on the spot and it's uh, not what ends up coming out like later. So it's like ridiculous and fun. Uh, the most recent episode that's out is on the Marvels, uh, you know, the sequel to movie to Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel, you know, that thing. Uh, mm -hmm. it, is, it was a fun, long discussion with uh, my friend Liana and sort of got her perspective uh, since she's cosplayed as Ms. Marvel. And oh, that's cool. just, yeah, just that background and, uh, yeah, you can find Delayed Replay on various podcast platforms. You could just type it in and search it. Um, you can also find me on a vlog slash podcast that 
I do with my dad called Yes Shift. That's spelled Y-E-S-S-H-I-F-T. You can also find that on various podcast platforms as well as on YouTube. But we go live on Facebook.com slash Yes Shift before putting it on all those other platforms. And we've talked about various aspects of the progressive rock band Yes and have even talked to a couple of the band's members past and present uh we even had a few interviews with musicians sort of tangentially related in the prog rock world um like uh craig blundell who's a drummer in frost and for uh guitarist steve hackett whom we also interviewed he used to be in genesis and dave kersner who's worked with a lot of prog rock artists and has a new solo album out called the traveler and we also do like album reviews. We reviewed Bruford's Feels Good to Me earlier this week, and we'll be doing uh, Keyboardist Jeff Downs' is The Light Program next week. So lots of stuff going on with that. And you, I also recently guested on my friend's podcast, uh, Inevitable, a classic sci-fi podcast. We talked about an episode of Jerry Anderson's UFO titled Time Lash. You can find all their stuff at decorativevegetable.com, as well as on various podcasting platforms. And uh, also go to stevenshinder.com for info on my first book, Lemons and Mike Rain. And the second book, Trespassing Through the Visages, I'm aiming to get out in like maybe October, November, that type of target. So uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled. And once again, thanks for having me on this uh, podcast to talk about this show that we all enjoyed. We did enjoy it a lot. And I, I know this show went longer than we anticipated, but I, I appreciate yeah. everybody that, that legged it out with us because it had some really, really great conversations. Imagine if Dan had been able to join us. This show would be well over three hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, extended so, cut. <laughs> yeah, really. We need, the, we need the director's cut of this is what we're going to need. Um, Chris, I know I kept you up longer than I promised. I, I apologize, but I also thank you for being a part of, of the fun tonight. What can the folks at home do to keep up with your content that's not IPC related? Sure. Well, thanks for having me as always. Um, it was great to talk. One of my other franchises besides the usual Star Wars. Um, so that's what you can usually uh, listen to me talk about with my friends Milton and Ben um, over there on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Raptor. I have a weekly podcast that, well, it actually goes live around the same time as you guys go live every Friday at <laughs> 9 o'clock. So, yeah, we're competing for that that precious Friday night uh, real estate. Um, so, yeah, if you guys aren't listening to IPC every other week, then you could go on over to youtube.com slash Raptor and listen to us and watch us. We're on YouTube as well. Uh, otherwise, I'm just posting content. Lately, it's just been mainly Star Wars. Um, maybe I'll get around to doing some things outside of the mix, but uh, it's been busy this summer, so I'm just trying to put out the stuff that you know is the main focus for me right now. Um, other than that, you can find me on Twitter uh, talking about games, movies, and everything um, that includes the Phantom. There's going to be a lot of good stuff going on between Rings of Power, House of Dragons. I know, Zach, you're looking forward to that. Yeah, She-Hulk, it's... Uh, and Andor, there's there's so much to look forward to. So you'll you'll find me chatting all about that relatively soon here. 
Looking forward to that. Somebody's got to keep that stuff going while I'm off getting married. So I'm, I'm glad that that stuff's being covered. So uh, thanks again for being a part of the fun tonight, man. Um, Mondo, uh, is there anything that the folks at home need to be keeping up with you? I know that you're uh, working on some some new stand-up routines, going to be trying it out on some local audiences. Is, uh, is there anything else that they need to be aware of? Not really, you know. Um... Yeah, I'm a big gamer. I'm always playing something. Uh, you, you can follow me on Pondo24 2008. Pretty much every gaming platform. Uh, look me up. Uh, shoot me a message. Just play some COD or um, Halo or something. You know, big Xbox guy. Uh, looking forward to a lot of the stuff that they've got coming out. And uh, you can follow me on socials at Mondo D Comedy. Uh, you can look up my Spotify where I've got a couple of cool things posted there, some live shows I've posted up there, and uh, you know, just it's pretty much it. You know, just yeah, um, I realize now I don't have a whole lot going on. Just living your life, bud. I mean, your 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 flex should be no. You don't have to follow me. I haven't left home in five days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're Imagine if there's some sack sitting in my back car, like the back seat of my car right now. Like, where is he? Like, he'd be dead. Like, straight up. Uh, ben, it's always fun assembling an Avengers-like group of people to talk about something that we really, really love. And uh, like I said at the top of the show, I know it, it kept you from a different program that you're usually on on Thursdays. But uh, I feel like tonight we had a lot of fun talking about a show that we really enjoy. So. I think I think it evened out, yeah. Yeah, no, no. This was this was worth the sacrifice, and uh, I appreciate everyone here sacrificing their time to, uh, yeah, join us tonight because this is a special episode. Um, it's good to get the 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 camp camp fam back together. Um, one last time. I hope it's not the last time though. I, I genuinely I hope there's more Jurassic content on the horizon right now it's kind of a weird time to be a jurassic park fan because you don't really know what's what's coming up next but uh, maybe that animated series coming out if it's a sequel to this or something completely different I'm, I'm looking forward to it um but uh yeah this was this was a heck of a lot of fun and thanks everyone for, for for coming on and uh and uh listening whatever you however you're joining us we appreciate you um and uh yeah dan grievous uh Shame you couldn't be here, but uh, yeah, it would have been three hours long. So uh, we'll we'll definitely get a we'll we'll get his thoughts in probably in a little after credits uh, stinger. Um, probably is probably where I'll put it in. Um, Thanks. but uh, as you mentioned, uh, yeah, um, the Star Wars Underworld has a network now. Um, it's, it's it's a thing. It's official. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I was so uh comfortable with uh leaving them because uh, we we got some more pans on deck. So I I, I felt uh. Felt it was in it was in capable hands without me. So uh, yeah, to go check out over there. They revealed another members of the network tonight. I'm not gonna tell you who it is. You're gonna have to go watch the episode and find out. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, follow follow me at Ben Hart with no E at the SW at Culture Slate at all those things. I'm going to bed now. <laughs> I'm right behind you, buddy. Go go find us on our socials at IPC Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and find our link tree. That gives you all the other links to everything else, from uh, yeah. from our Patreon to our uh, T Public swag, 
to our iTunes, to our Google, to our CastBox, to uh, our individual link trees. Like there's a link tree that leads to Ben's link tree, and then there's a link tree that leads to my link tree. So we're just kind of all over the place. But uh, go find Linktree uh, IPC podcast, and you'll be able to find all the the hyperlinks that take you to all the other stuff that we've got. Um, but there's definitely a lot of stuff on the horizon. We're just going to be timing it a little bit differently. So we appreciate everyone's patience as you wait for these new episodes to roll out. Uh, as we mentioned, busy schedules, football season, getting married, the new network, culture slate. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but we're going to try to make as much time for these things as humanly possible. I'm also helping out my friend Sean over at Phantom Empire. I'm still a part of that network a little bit, too. We're doing a Game of Thrones-related podcast talking about the new show House of the Dragon. So if you want to hear uh, episodic reviews of the new HBO spinoff series, go follow Phantom Empire and look for a podcast called House of the Empire. Uh, we'll be doing like episode-by-episode episode recaps as soon as episodes release, usually within the first 24 hours or so, so we can get that content pumped out there. But yeah, I'm doing that, and then I'm going to be at Zach the Voice, Mixler.com slash Zach the Voice, which is where you were tuning in live tonight, and then Facebook.com slash Zach the Voice. Those will be the places I'll be broadcasting football games from starting next week. First week of football season starts next week for me, so that'll be fun. And this also was a really fun episode coming up on three hours in length um, and just a, a really fun night. Steven, Chris and Mondo, thanks for hopping on. Uh, Dan, thanks for sending in your stuff. We'll be playing it as soon as this show concludes. Ben, a pleasure as always. And to everybody that tuned in live, we appreciate you being a part of tonight's fun. But that is going to do it for this edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. For all my cohorts, I'm Zach Arnold signing off on another edition of the IPC podcast on Zach Arnold Productions. We'll see you all next time. But until then, good night, everyone. This is Dan Grievous, and unfortunately I cannot join you tonight to discuss Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous Season 5, but I leave you this message with a few thoughts of mine regarding the series. Now, Season 4 was nice. I really, really enjoyed what they did with the Spinosaurus, and just including one of my favorite dinosaurs elevated the season overall. It was so intense. Everything with that Spino was incredible. Unfortunately, that season went a little overboard with the robots. I'm so glad season five toned down the robots. And they even had that scene with the ominous music with the mind control dinos walking over the turned off robots. That was nice. It was like, thank you for your patience. Now let's get back to the scheduled meeting with dinosaurs. No more robots. Favorite moment has to be Dotson finding the barbersaw can. I always appreciate a nice little connection to the first Jurassic Park and especially connecting it back to Dennis Nedry, the person who caused the whole mess in the first place. Favorite new character has to be Mr. Khan, Kenji's dad, 
turned out to be worse than I thought, and I'm so disappointed that he, that he did not get eaten. I really wanted him to get eaten by something nasty. Favorite new dino has to be the Nothersaurus. It offered a nice new challenge for our heroes, both in the water and on land. I did enjoy the ending. I think it was absolutely perfect. It was very satisfying, very heartwarming, a little, you know, and it left enough open doors for the Nublar 6 to return in some way in the future. Overall thoughts on Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous? I think it's one of the best things that happened to this franchise. Camp Cretaceous is basically Jurassic World's very own The Clone Wars. It connects so many things together, it fills in the gaps, it makes us appreciate what has come before. I'm so happy this series exists. And I cannot wait to see Camp Cretaceous elements in future Jurassic stories. So thank you very much for listening and have a good one. Dan Grievous, signing out.